commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome back to Banal of America. Uh, We're live here again on another uh, snowy Friday night here in New England, which is uh, strange, I guess you could say, for uh, April 16th, but we got a couple inches of snow uh, this afternoon, pretty wild. Um, Not a fan, but what are you going to do? Uh, tonight, we're going to have a fun conversation. Uh, I, I should warn you, I don't know really where we're going to go with this one. It's uh, Our old friend Jason Offit is back on the show. Uh, of course, folks remember him on previous editions of An All-America. He's been on a bunch of times. Um, I think the first time we talked, he had just put out Darkness Walks, uh, The Shadow People Among Us. I think that was I think that was the first time we talked. I meant to look this up. Um, and frantically tried to while uh, while the uh, while the music was playing, but I'm not that fast. Um, and of course, he's also read, he wrote a travel log across a corn swept land, which is about his trip to Canada, which I loved a lot. Uh, we had him on for that. And what lurks beyond the paranormal in your backyard, which uh, I wrote a blurb for. Loved that book as well. And uh, chasing American monsters, which is. Uh, one of my all-time faves. I think that was the last time we had him on the show. Yeah, because he was working on, he was writing them over the course of time, and we had him on the beginning of, of one he was writing, Chasing American Monsters, and then we had him on, uh, you know, and uh, then we had him on when he had wrapped up his work on that. So, and and then you know, things happened, life went on, things were crazy. We kind of dialed back on the show. The pandemic happened, um, and now. As I said, when we, when I was uh, starting up this spring session with the point and the goal of sort of catching up with old friends of the show, uh, Jason Offit was at the top of the list. He can tell you this. I actually wrote to him like in February. It was like, can you come on April 16th? And it was like, who the fuck knows? <laughs> who knows what's going to happen on by April 16th? But he was kind enough to, to put me down on, on his agenda here. Um, and so here we are. We're going to uh, catch up with Jason Offit tonight. Always love talking to him. Um, it's one of those episodes that is is very much like uh, our conversations are always like two guys sitting at the bar. So that's pretty much uh, what you're what you're going to expect tonight. Although uh, I'm not uh, drinking at the moment, but you never you never know. It's two hours, right? Um, and uh, one one of the things we're going to be talking about is. Uh, 
I call it a new book in the description. It's new to the Banal of America listeners, I guess, because uh, we haven't talked to Jason in a long time. Um, but the book came out last year. It's a fiction book, uh, so you had to build a time machine. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We, we will definitely be paranormal. We may be paranormal adjacent at times. So, uh, But I think I'll eat, no matter what happens, it's going to be a fun conversation. So welcome back to the show, Jason. Uh, it's good to talk to you, buddy. Tim, it's been it's been way too long, way too long. I miss talking to you. Yeah, yeah, it has. It really has been. Uh, it, it's been. I can't recall. I think the last time we chatted was the last season, and so that must have been. And it was early in the last season, uh, the final season, quote unquote, of Banal of America. So that would have been like three or four years ago now, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, we know. keep we keep in uh, we we keep in touch enough. Uh, I gave you, I gave you shit the, the other day about uh, I gave you shit the other day about Boston uh, being being down in the standings, and they're up at the top now. I knew they would be. I know. I owe you that. I owe you that. I was so disgruntled <laughs> I didn't even respond. <laughs> I'm like I'm, <coughs> I'm not going to even acknowledge this. <laughs> I think you had yeah because you had written and I think they had only lost like two or something and then they were blown out like on the third game and I'm like uh, yeah thanks thanks just getting worse dude. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, what people don't know is yeah we keep in touch uh, on on the Twitter machine and uh, probably my favorite story of our correspondence on Twitter and I I think you will agree had to be the Kansas City <laughs> I know exactly what you're Chiefs. talking about. Yes, winning the Super Bowl last, not this past year, when nefarious Tom Brady's fucking done it again, but uh, last year, so 2020. Um, and I don't remember the exact score, but the, the Chiefs were down like at least three touchdowns. And it was like yeah, the yeah. fourth quarter, and poor Jason was like, I'm going to bed. Forget it. It's over. The dream's over. You know, the, the great journey has come to an end. And, and all of a sudden... Uh, and we had been going back and forth throughout the whole game. So it was like, oh, shit. So then Jason bails, and then all of a sudden the comeback starts. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm many beers deep, of course. It's Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm you know, many beers and wings deep. And I'm, like, frantically, frantically messaging Jason like – like like his house is on fire, just just like wake up! You've got to wake up, dude! Dude, you've got to. Are you asleep? I, oh dear God! I hope there's notifications. I hope your phone is going off right now. Please, for the love of God, will you wake up? Until finally, you know, and a lot like, of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of times, I have my 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 notifications turned off because I don't want my phone to wake me up at night, and I hadn't turned mine off, and all of a sudden it started exploding, and it was Tim saying, "God, you turn the TV on." And and I thank yeah, you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then Jason yeah, I was, finally I got the back to the game. Yeah. I turned that? the TV off yeah. this year, and I kept hoping, hoping you'd get a hold of me, but uh, it never happened. Oh God. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about this year. I, uh, I, I, you know, the the Tom Brady and that Florida. They're they're just the Florida Patriots. Let's be honest. So, well, you know. uh, they are, and, 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 you know, Kansas City's offensive line was in shambles. So, I mean, a lot of things happened. It was a perfect storm, and, and, and uh, yeah, Tom Brady's he's the greatest of all time. So, I mean, I can't take that away from him. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now, as I mentioned here at the beginning of uh, the show, um, he had this book, came out last summer, um, 
folks can check it out. They get on Amazon. So you had to build a time machine. Now, is this – I was trying to keep track here. Now, this is this, is, a, is this your first outright fiction book? I don't think so, right? You've written other fiction stuff, right? No, no, yeah, right, right. I've got – I've got uh, – I've got, um... Uh, my first one was called A Funeral Story. It's about a, a guy oh, who has yeah, a secret yeah, life. Okay. He, yeah, all right. yeah he, he picks up and scores with women at uh, strange women at funerals. Um a couple of zombie novels. Um uh, yeah, and then uh, then I got uh then I got this one and it's uh I, that it was it was it was a whole lot of fun to write because I love time travel. I absolutely love it. That's as a kid, those were my favorite uh, Star Trek episodes, and um, yeah, I, I finally wrote a, a time travel novel. I was really happy with that. So, uh, I have a lot of questions here about this, in a sense. So, I guess for th- this, in a sense, this is sort of the paranormal adjacent part. But this is what I'm interested in, and I think people. How often do we really hear from someone who writes? Uh, <laughs> well, it's a paranormal show, so it's probably a lot more fiction than we think, right? But how often do we get, do we do, do we interview someone who we know is who will, who will admit they're writing fiction? So, the how I guess take me a little bit like through the process of like how this happens because it's really like it is a work of art. I mean, you're really creating like a like a, a piece of art, a story, a long, a very long story here so like i guess I, I i i'm interested sort of in the process of how that works like so obviously i don't want you to spoil anything with the book so but how take me like how did this start with the book so what did you did it come you come up with like a germ of an idea do you like have the ending already written do you just have the characters like do you say oh this is an interesting person i've conjured up in my mind now let's take them on an adventure um, you know, sort of like what's the process for for writing for writing a novel? All right, so every novelist has a different process. Of course. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, we we all have I mean, we we do fit in categories. Um but but I mean, we've all got a, all got a different process. We all write at different speeds. Um I I um watched a uh, uh a two person round table if you can have a two person round table it was uh interview <laughs> Stephen King was was interviewing uh George R R Martin and George R R R Martin at this, they were on the same stage and he was interviewing Stephen King at the same time so they were just asking right. each other writer questions and and uh, you know George R R Martin is notorious for taking for freaking ever to write his write his novels and Stephen King puts out two or three a year and and that's Point blank, uh, Martin asked, said, "Okay, Stephen, I've got this question for you. How do you write so fucking fast?" <laughs> and you know, I mean, King really, really couldn't answer that because, uh, again, everybody has has their own way to do things. Uh, I'm I'm watching. There there are two different categories. There's, there's plotters, and these are people who've got the beginning, middle, end. They've got that story arc down. They know when everything's going to happen. They have outlines. Uh, of everything, and then they just fill in the blanks. And then there are pantsers who fly by the seat of their pants. And I'm that I'm that type. I'm not organized enough to plot, and and I don't. Man, I like to discover the book like the like the reader does, you know, as it's happening. It's yeah. Real. It's really really bizarre how this works, and it sounds pretty pretty damn insane. But you the way you you mentioned. Do I just come up with a character and let them do things? That's exactly what I do. 
Okay. For this yeah. novel, yeah, for the, for this novel, uh, I just I had an idea for a character. I wanted a character who could do lots of diverse, really weird things. Um, and I, I wanted a strong female protagonist. I mean, because there are not enough, not enough out there. Um, right. And I'm like, okay, so I want somebody who can do some really cool things. How did she learn how to do these these cool superhero esque things? Where would this person have grown up to learn how to do those things? And uh, the answer that popped up was a circus. So I had a woman who grew up in the circus and learned some circus things, and now she's out on her own. And um, yeah, weird. She starts noticing weird things happening, uh, little bitty things like uh, you know a street sign has a different name for the street. Uh, uh, there's a shop here that shouldn't be. The name of the newspaper that's been in this town for 150 years is now something else. Little weird things like that. And she finally puts puts some, some things together with the help of some other people and um, discovers that time and dimensions keep flipping. And uh, her and these, these people that, that she assembles goes out to, to try and stop it. But all of that stuff just stemmed from me creating a character and and for me that is the most important thing i mean plot's important set it settings important but you have to have an interesting character that somebody cares about you know whether yeah you know wh- whether it's luke skywalker who who's you know interesting an interesting good guy or darth vader who's the great bad guy i mean you got to have you got to care about him one way or another so I, whenever I do any any uh, you know any fiction, I make sure I I start off with character and then just man, I just sit there and let shit happen. And it, and it's just weird how your mind lets them do things. Yeah, like I said, do you, it nuts. Yeah, no, I mean it makes it makes it's not completely unheard of. That's why I kind of threw that out there as a. I think I've heard that as a as a methodology, if you will. So it's not like uh, totally foreign. This is you. Um, now, I don't, like I said, I don't want you to spoil the book or anything, but like, uh, so as you're taking the character on this adventure, um, does like, at, at some point do you reach a certain point in the process where you're like, okay, now all of a sudden, like, like kind of like, kind of like, I don't know, like when you're putting a puzzle together and all of a sudden you get to a certain point and you're like, oh, okay, now everything, now I know where everything goes. You can finish like in 30 seconds, you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, now I know where this, uh, I can see the picture perfectly now where all the last remaining pieces have to go. Is there like a, a light bulb moment? So I guess like, the thing is like, how do you know when to stop? <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless you kind of know the end point. Uh, does it come to you at some point or is it just kind of like, um, it? you know, you just keep going until you, you reach the end? Okay. Well, I mean, if, if if I if I did that, you know, I mean, a book would be you know five hundred thousand words because uh, I I wouldn't want to end. But yeah, right, I just right. um, when 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 things happen, I try and envision what my characters are doing as if they would be in a movie, and and that gives me, um, you know, the 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 pacing for 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 the chapters, you know, what happens now, what happens next, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I I just I I mean I, I I visualize things as they're as they're unfolding with 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 this one. I mean it was it was kind of hard. Um, there there are a couple of my books I had the ending in my head first before I started writing, and of course by the time I got to the end, so much other stuff had happened that ending wouldn't work. Um, yeah, yeah. 
with 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 this one, I, I I knew what the ending would be. It's just how to get there would, you know, was 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 the interesting part. And what I really wanted to do, because I, I I write humor, I'm I'm, I'm a humorist, and mm-hmm. I I wanted to take the science fiction uh, time travel uh, story on on a humorous uh, jaunt, and and I wanted to make fun of all the uh, standard sci-fi tropes that are out there, and okay, yeah. and and I, I you know I dropped those uh, dropped those along the way, and and I tried to include as many. Different, because because whenever they'd flip dimensions or go to a different time, I tried to throw in as, as many different uh, you know things you see in the movies um, that 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 are out there, you know. And this is not spoiling anything, but you know, go to the 1950s yeah. and 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 you know, there's a radioactive dinosaur, and everybody's like, oh yeah, shit, that's just Gorgo, you know, <laughs> he just hangs around here, you know. Um, you know, and and I played with some villain tropes because there's some stereotypical, you know, monologuing villain things that a lot of a lot of stories have. And I just, I just, I I I brought some uh, cows, not so sacred sometimes, but sacred and occasionally, and I just made fun of them. All right, yeah, that makes sense. And how I, I noticed, uh. I think a lot of people who are writers do this. So, so they do you have like a set time when you just you know you're gonna write like I said a certain time every day, or is it kind of like uh, when the mood strikes you? Because I've heard people say, um, and I mean I write a lot for my job, so it's like I've, I've written more now in the last like five years than I did ever before. So I kind of have that in a sense, the sort of writer mentality where it's like okay, there's a certain time of day when you're doing the writing, and and um, and you know if it's yeah, it's like I could I could probably write you a great story at three o'clock in the afternoon, no matter what, <laughs> like yeah. no matter what the context or what the what the subject was or where I was or anything else. It's just like that's when my body hits its hits its <laughs> story writing peak. Um, so is there something like that with you, or is it just kind of like when the mood strikes? Well, and and uh, you know I've 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 gone back. I don't I never do the mood. I mean, when I first started thinking. You know, I want to be a writer, you know, and when the mood hit me, everything flowed fine. And when the mood didn't hit me, I just didn't write. Yeah. Nobody's going to get anywhere. No writer's going to get anywhere doing that. Um, and, and I have gone uh, for years having a specific time to write. Um, you know, I'm going to write two hours from this time to this time. It's got to be at the same desk, uh, you know, with the same beverage in my hand, you know, maybe a pack of peanuts, uh, you know, the same lighting, you know, everything. Maybe, you know, it's a fight scene, so I'm going to listen to Megadeth. Or, you know, it's it's something, you know, something a little bit more humorous, so, I, you know, I might throw on some, uh, uh, you know, some Beastie Boys or something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've got to, you know, if I, if I put all those things together, my brain knew, boom, it's time to write, and I knew what to exactly, write. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, with... With my schedule, and I've got a six-year-old, I haven't been able to do that in a few years. Um, it's yeah, so I just I try to make myself write every day, but it, it's it's a little bit more flexible than it used to be. I um, I think I have a benefit that some writers don't, is because I was a journalist, a print journalist for 17 years, and yeah. I was used to a daily deadline. You know, you give me, I got it. You know, the editor saying. You give me, uh, you know, 18 inches of copy on this story in an hour. It, it better be done. Right. 
Right. right. So when it comes to when it comes to deadlines and being being able to force my mind to to get the work done, uh, you know, it's it, it it hits me easier than it probably does other people just just because of that training. Right. Right. Exactly. That's that's kind of like what I run into with uh, what I do, and and um, yeah, for people who sort of get yeah. stuck or like we were saying, like the mood. Sometimes it's like. Sometimes you just have to write just write anything, and like if you get something even if it's even if you hate what you wrote, it's like that gets that kind of gets you going that's like the stretching or whatever if you if it was a run right you know, that and then you're kind of in the in the zone to write exactly um, and, and there have been a number of writers who've had quotes that are something like this, you know that's uh, it's you know it's it's easy to it's easy to write uh you know when when the words are flowing, but when they're not flowing. Uh, write anyway because it's impossible to edit a blank page. Right. So just get even if you're writing, you know it's shit. Get something down. You can always edit it into something usable. Um. Now, uh, uh, forget Chris. I think is his name in the chat. He wants to know: Do you have a, a drink of choice for writing? Stephen King said uh, he he didn't even remember writing Cujo. Apparently he was drunk at the time. So, well, um, well, do you have a drink of, a, of choice for writing? Yeah. You know, Stephen King. He was. Uh, I read something about him. He would read, or he would drink. He would do a couple lines of cocaine, and then in the evening he would drink a case. You know, a two four twenty four sixteen ounce Miller Lights. Jesus, how Christ. the hell does somebody do that? But yeah, he yeah he said uh, you know I don't remember writing Cujo at all, which is a shame because I kind of enjoy the book. Um, I, um, yeah, I, it, it depends. Uh, uh, I always, you know, would have a few beers and write, uh, you know, I got the, that, that, that got everything flowing. Uh, I stopped drinking for about a year and a half. Um, and I found out I couldn't write. Um, so I drank a shit ton of coffee and just stared at the screen. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I think uh, yeah. beer works better for me. Hey, you got to figure out what's, what's best for you. Some people it's coffee, some it's tea. Uh, you know, so much Jager bombs. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, time travel. This is an interesting. Uh, this is an interesting sort of realm to go down. Now, have you? I don't. I will move away from the book and just sort of talk about time. What is it about time travel? I mean, I, everyone loves time travel, right? Or at least think. Mm -hmm. I think maybe because I love time travel. So to me, it's like, how could you not love time travel? It's like one of the best tropes out there, but, like, what is it about time travel that sort of, what made you really want to do a time travel book? Well, uh, again, uh, you know, I said earlier that, that man, when I, I grew up on the original Star Trek and reruns, I would watch it it's seven days a week, and, you know, the time travel episodes were, were my favorite. I just, it was just, just something about being able to go back the way things were. And possibly change it, or go into the future and see things how things are going to be, and and get excited about that. Um, it, it's it's being able to explore, unlike the great explorers of yesteryear, because you know nobody's going to discover Antarctica; it's already there. Nobody's going to go to the North Pole; we've already done that. Yeah. Know, where else do we have to go? I mean, Indiana Jones isn't gonna, you know, go go, you know, dig something up. Um, it, it's all these things ha have been discovered. So where where is the 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 one place other than outer space that we're really not ready to venture into yet? Where can we go 
to discover things, and that's that's you know through time, um, and and it leaves it it you know leaves the doors completely open to discover anything. Um, there are so many things that I have found as an adult that I learned in uh, in history classes when I was a kid that are just freaking dead wrong. You know what else is wrong? I, I want to yeah. see what else is wrong, or, or I want to see what the era was when my folks grew up. You know, they they went they were in high school in 1954. I mean, what the hell was that like? That sounds great. Would I like to watch the premiere episode of The Twilight Zone in 1959? Hell yeah, I'd love to be there. Um, so it's just you know that that you know feeling of adventure. Um, I, I don't want to go back too far. I mean, people want to go back and you know. See, see Jesus, or you know, see the pyramids being built. Uh, go back to the old West. You know, Roma, that people romanticize about right, that. Right, yeah. You know how bad people stink. Or stink <laughs> back then. Can well, you that's a good question. How, what's your what's your <laughs> what's your limit? What what's the what's your drop drop year on going back to? Uh, you know what? I think I'd uh, I, I would I would say the. 40s, but I don't want to deal with the whole World War II thing, so I think probably the 50s. I think I'd probably go there. The 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 earliest I'd go back would probably be like uh, like 19 what is it 1906 1909 whenever whenever the uh, Pure Food and Drug Act was passed. I think that is when uh, the earliest I would go back uh, because if we were to go back in the 1800s, we wouldn't be able to drink any water. We wouldn't be able to eat any of their food because of the bacteria and parasites. We'd be sick and, you know, we'd have, you know, dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like we had food poisoning all the time. So, yeah, probably, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the 50s or the okay. 60s yeah, you met... all the drugs. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you want to get if you want, you want to get settled first. In the... <laughs> right. But, yeah, that's. You raise a good point because that's the, when you were saying that. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, okay, well, well all right. Well, if I'm going to put Jason on the spot. Like, what's my? And and I, yeah, I think <clears throat> yeah, it would have to be sometime within the last century. That would probably be my you know about a century ago. Because so to me, it's like the question is, I think what I would ask myself if I were a time traveler is, okay, could I survive in this time period if the machine breaks? That would probably – I'd probably be – because I would be just too – I would be too uh, – maybe if I had a lot of experience and the thing held up and there was no question that this machine was going to work. But I think I'd always still be worried that if I, I went back to the time of the dinosaurs and it's like, I don't want to fucking get stuck. <laughs> I don't want to get stuck in the time of the dinosaurs forever. You know what I mean? So it's like if I got yeah, stuck yeah. – in 1930, I could I could probably make a go of it. I could probably make a go of it in 1930. I I probably yeah, and I I could do that in 1930. I mean, it wouldn't be you know like the clan of the cave bear. I wouldn't want to go back, you know, to to see Neanderthals. And of course, there was you know your Cro-Magnon uh, Daryl Hannah. I mean, she was okay, but you know what? She still smelled bad. I I, I wouldn't right. I wouldn't be able to deal with any of that. Yeah, if, if the machine broke, you know, I'm not Doc Brown. I wouldn't be able to invent a time traveling train. So, exactly. yeah, where would I be able to survive? At least the 1950s had TV. Right. Yeah. Believe me, I wouldn't be happy to be stuck in the 30s, but I could make it. You know. So, yeah, sometime around the turn of the last century-ish, 
Yeah. I think what you're mentioning about the food and everything, that's a great point. Um, you know, what, what, what did you um, – do you have one particular place you would go if you could time travel, like if you, if you only got one shot at it? And, and we'll, we'll get to – there's a sort of a technical question I want to ask after that, but is there one in mind that you would go? Do you mean one specific event? I guess, you know, yeah, like if I would time. go back and, you know, try to stop, uh, you know, Kennedy's assassination, something like that. Man. Right, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 man, that's a great question. I, I, I really don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a Anglophile. You know, I love uh, England, the great, you know, I love Great Britain. I'd probably, probably go back to there at some point. I don't know how. Cool yeah, it's it'd hard be to really put your finger on. <laughs> yeah, I need I need some time yeah, to maybe, think about that. About what? You know, probably Great Britain, probably England uh, during the uh, late 1960s, so I could watch Monty Python's Flying Circus live. Yeah, there's where yeah. I'm going. And there you go. All right. Yeah, I don't even know where I would. Uh, I don't even know where I'd go. So it's. Uh, you have to. So, what do you? It's. Uh, I suppose it's a scientific thing, and I don't know necessarily if this applies to the book. But where do you stand on the whole thing? Like, okay, so if we can go, let's say you go back to like 1980. The like, I guess in some schools of thought, the idea is okay. You can never get back to the original place you came from. You can go back. <laughs> you can go back to the future. <laughs> but. You, but Dude, you can go I'm back. Gonna pretend, are you going to edit that out, right? Are you going to edit that out? <laughs> no, that was just the natural <laughs> way it came to my thoughts. So, but yeah, you can go back to back to where you, the time, the year you came from, but you can't actually go back to that spot because things have changed just from you being there or something like that. That's sort of the idea. But then in in fiction, there's a, there's a lot of elasticity with that. Where you know, there's plenty of movies where like people go back in time, then they come back, and like only one tiny thing's changed or whatever, but they can somehow seamlessly come. <laughs> let's like like Rick and Morty. It's like if you come, let's say I go back to 1980, and then I come back here to to 2021. Is there already a Banal here in 2021, and do I have to kill him to take his spot? Like like there's a lot of there's a lot of technical issues with time travel that are fun to talk about. Whoa. Right, right. It, it is. When it, when it comes to Rick and Morty, that's why they've generally avoided time travel and they do interdimensional travel because they, they right, didn't want right. to have to deal with that. Um, yeah, uh, when, it, when it comes to time travel, you know, the whole grandfather paradox, you know, you can't go back in time and kill your grandfather because that means you would never be born and therefore you wouldn't be able to go back to kill your grandfather. I, I've always thought that was bullshit because uh, – and, and this is my you – know, this is my second major problem with Back to the Future. The first major problem being uh, Biff tries to flat out rape Marty's mom. Yeah. yeah. Why was that in the movie? I, I have no idea. That still blows me away. But anyway, um, when when he's playing um, playing the guitar up on the stage, and and uh, you know Marty's folks are, are walking away from each other, and this picture that he's got, he and his brother and sister are starting to fade out. And, you know, because the folks didn't get together. And, and that really bothered me because, you know, Marty's there. So I've I've always been in the camp to where if somebody goes back to the past, they've immediately created a different a different future that yeah. hasn't existed to, to this point. 
the 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 time that they came from is still out there somewhere. But yeah, you're right; they can't ever go back to it. They're in the timeline that they're in, and yeah. even if they kill their grandpa, it doesn't matter. Grandpa it doesn't matter because they're there. And whatever they do in that timeline is not going to going to affect the the one they came from. I mean, right, I, I, right. I, I, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that seems to make yeah, that so, makes sense to me too. Yeah, yeah, we've got like uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it's like a, a tree. You know, time being like a tree and all the branches sticking out. Uh, that that that's um, that that makes the most sense. If there was only one timeline, uh, we would be you know, it would be. In ethically, um, ethically, we could never, never time travel ever. Yeah, I mean, it would just break could. down. Yeah, it would just break down. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting to think about. There's, yeah, this is like that old joke, like, oh, where are the time travelers and stuff? But it's like, I don't, I don't know. It would be interesting. I, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, I could see aliens. Like, we could find out aliens are real or Bigfoot or whatever, but time travelers is almost, like, more hard to fathom than than even those fantastic ideas. Where it's like, if somebody showed up and said they were a time traveler, that to me would be more mind-blowing than, than an alien. Then it would be like, how the, what? What? This is real? This can really be done? Because there's a part of me that thinks, like, maybe our idea, sort of, of time travel isn't isn't even possible like to physically go and and go uh walk around like down the street in london in 1960 or whatever you know what i mean it's like just not you can't do it somehow um you know but who knows right well and and that's why i think whoever was behind the whole john teeter thing was i mean understood all this stuff Right. Uh because are you from are you familiar with, with the with the John Teeter story? Yeah, I'm well aware. Well, yeah, I'm I'm well aware of sort of the early machinations of the John Teeter story. It got really weird there for a while. I think I think you yeah, yeah you probably know what I'm talking about. Then then he yeah, came yeah, back yeah. or it was like there was a John Teeter two point a second chapter, a sequel to the John Teeter thing that happened more recently. Like it uh, relatively. Like the whole thing came about on through Art Bell, I think, and then then it kind of went quiet for like a decade or so, and then the internet got involved more, and next thing you know, like oh, John Teeter was around again. So yeah, you know. the, the the thing that I think was was done really well uh, with the John Teeter story is is that he said uh, whoever it was that was behind that said that I traveled back in the past, knowing that when I went home i wouldn't be going home because there's another timeline that i'm in and i can never go back to the exact home that that i was from which is exactly what we're we're, we're talking about yeah because when you go if you can go back in in uh in in time whatever whatever changes you make i mean seriously that shit already happened yeah even if it's in the future it's still it's still already already happened um I mean, but all all this is you know all sorts of uh, you know debate that goes goes around in circles. The the one main problem I've always had with with time travel is um, that would make it impossible would be that when you travel, if somebody can travel 
backward or forward in time. It, it doesn't matter. They should reappear exactly in the exact spot in, in, in the universe that they disappeared from. And because the Earth's revolving, ah, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, rotating, that, yeah. it's going around the sun, the Milky Way's spinning. If we were to go anything farther than a few seconds, we would end up in, in space. Right, you know, We'd be right. in the vacuum of space. Yes, yes. You need like an anchor. You need yeah. some kind of technological anchor to pull the thing back to the planet. And it's like, yeah, no one ever talks about that. But you're absolutely right because it's like, yeah, if you if you left the Earth and then you can't get back to the spot in space where you left from, it's it's like virtually impossible. Right. You would have to be able to – you would have to travel uh, a very short distance in time and be in a spaceship. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah, time-traveling train, not not happening. So, not so, happening. Although, yeah, yeah. So, I don't remember. Does the train fly at the end? Yes. How how does it just disappear into the ether on the tracks? No, no, it it flies off into the sky at the end like the like the DeLorean did uh oh, in, the, in the first movie. Oh, I think I saw the third one like once and uh it was like it's, this it's isn't not a even good a movie. <laughs> yeah, it was like all the all the intriguing time travel stuff taking a backseat to like this westerny westerny you know shtick that we're doing here. Um, well, the best know, part of that movie is yeah. the is ZZ Top. That's the best part. ZZ Top was the band at the uh, um, you know the the nineteen or the eighteen sixty eight yeah. festival or yeah. ZZ Topper, they are, uh, yeah, I, 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 that makes sense. There's a cameo by ZZ Top. Um, I really haven't seen the movie in forever, I think, because, because, uh, yeah, to me it was like, I want to watch Back to the Future, not Back to the Future as a Western. This doesn't even like, like, there was no need, I don't know who was thinking, I would love to know the thinking behind that, because there was no need to add, to make that movie a Western. It just completely complicates things, but. You know, unless you're going to jump off and then start doing, like, th- that's in a different atmosphere every time. You know, if you're going to do a uh, franchise or something. But I don't know if that was really Which the Which is plan. what I did with my book. That's basically well, what go. I did with, with my book. I hit with, with every place that they jumped, I went to another, uh, you know, another type of dimension where, um, uh, dimension or time either where, you know, like the Nazis won World War II or... You know, they went back to the 1950s where, uh, you know, uh, the kaiju monsters were everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, my, yeah, yeah, I was poking fun at stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, you, uh, it's your it's your universe to explore, so that's the good thing. Yeah, I never really thought about that right. part about getting back to Earth, but you're absolutely right about that. So, But I, what, one thing I think that, here's what I think, if they ever have time travel, this is what it'll be. Some kind of, like, observation. Like, cause a lot of people think, all oh, the aliens are, or, okay, UFOs. I, just, I use them interchangeably because I'm, I'm lazy and old school. So, but, um, and I'm intellectually honest enough to admit that when people say UFO, they mean fucking alien. So, so, <laughs> so all right. And, and, Don't and say look, that to Molten House. She will chew your ass. Oh, my God. A, a lot of UFO world will. Well, actually, 
if you mean – okay, relax, guy, all right? I'm just using it interchangeably. So, <laughs> oh, my God. So, but a lot of people say, oh, the UFOs, this is what they are. I do think that this is possible, maybe, that they'll come up with some, like you, – you, have you heard of um, – there was an Italian oh, – I think it was a priest, but I'm not sure – um, it was like Father Coroni's Corona Visor or something like that. Have you heard uh, that story? Yeah, Father Ernetti's Corona Visor. Yes, which Father now in, in, 20, yeah. in 2021, the Corona Visor sounds like something I don't want. So, mm. but, <laughs> who knows? But it was, it was Maybe Corona, C-C-C-H-R-O, like Kronos, the Greek titan of, of time. I know, I know. It, it, yeah, not Corona as in crown. And Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Man, you got to edit sounds a little too... this, Tim. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said you got to edit the shit out of this. No, dude. This is what people want to hear. So this is the... <laughs> this is, I said this was like bar talk. This is what it is. This is it us, is totally us, bar talk. Catch it up. So this is the... So for people who don't know, so Father Ernetti, um, he allegedly... This was the story... This was this was I don't know when this came out. Go and Google it, folks. You'll find out the the, the straight, you know, the straight, the skinny. I on think it was the nineties. That the book came out. Oh, I just remember Art Bell talking about it. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember when it when it came about in the first place. But the long story short, folks, is that there was this guy, this priest, who allegedly built uh, a time machine. Um, that was like a mach- it was a machine to watch uh, to watch time, essentially like a TV. It was like a TV um, to watch the past. I think maybe they might they might be able to come up with something like that, um, you know that that people will be able to use in the past. Here, I, I'm on, wow, I'm on Amazon. Apparently, I own the book. It tells me this is creepy and and. <laughs> This is creepy and enlightening at the same time. It says, you last purchased this item on June 19th, 2003. So, <laughs> so apparently... I just looked it up and it was a 2002 book. Uh-oh. No, no, no. It's a, well, oh, here. I, okay, the paperback says 2000. But either way, um, oh. I'm moderately terrified that Amazon knows that I purchased this book 18 years ago. Um <laughs> Which they know it better than I do. I don't even know where the fucking book is, but apparently I own it. Um, so yeah, he was a, an Italian Benedictine monk who claims to have uh, created uh, this chronovisor, which was a machine he could use to look into the past. Um, and for for people, it was written by Peter Crossa, who I'm completely unaware of, and I couldn't tell you. And maybe you could speak to this. I have no idea if this story is true or not, but it was foisted onto the world as a true story. There was no, like, this wasn't like, oh, here's a fantastic tale of time travel written by this guy. Like, this was, this was, uh, this was alleged to have been true, from what I understand. Right. I mean, there, there have been, uh, it's, it's been disproven. I mean, this was all fiction, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because that's really cool. Uh, the, the picture of Jesus that uh, was supposedly taken with the chronovisor, uh, is, there, there's a, uh, a statue of Jesus somewhere, and it's a, a picture of the statue. But <laughs> if, 
if if it, if time tra- if if any sort of time travel were created, this would be probably the the least intrusive, I think, because you couldn't physically go back and try and kill Hitler. And frankly, I think that would be the worst idea because out of all the evil people in his regime, he was the dumbest. <laughs> There were yeah. so many more evil people below him who were a lot smarter than he was, and, and things might have ended up a lot worse. Um, but you, when it comes to tri- time travel, it's – I mean, the science of it and, – and I have a, I have a friend who is a, uh, a scientist. He's a physicist, and I he read my book, and, and he told me that I got all the interdimensional and time travel uh, things. At least according to current theories, I got them right. So no, okay. So kudos that was for going. me. Uh, see, yeah, I don't. Uh, if if I write something, I, I, I want to make sure, even if it's you know absolutely bug shit crazy, I want to make sure it's right, at yeah. least physically. I mean, I hate it like uh, the movie Eraser with Schwarzenegger. Did you ever watch that? No, uh, no. Uh, which is yeah, it's 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 okay. It's a it's, it's a fun action movie, but there's a. Um, the door of a jetliner comes open and he's holding on to stay in and the last parachute gets sucked out. And like 30 seconds later, he lets go and goes out and he catches the parachute. You know, that's (laughs) basically, you know, physics, things drop at the same rate. There's no way in hell he would catch it, especially because of the fact that he's got more wind resistance and the fact that after 30 seconds, he was probably 20 miles away from it. But yeah, you know, the point is, I want to get I want to get things right, and 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 with uh, yeah with with the scientist I got that right. But other than the science, it's it's the ethics that that really really um, really get to me um, with, with the coronavirus. If that yeah. thing existed, and it was existed or it it was invented simply, I want to look back in time. You know, it was invented by a priest. Uh, so let's yeah, we're gonna look back and and uh, watch Moses part the Red Sea. We're gonna watch right, right, yeah, Birth of Christ. Yeah, we're gonna watch all of this stuff. We're gonna watch Jesus. You know, we're gonna watch watch all that. But technology doesn't get it doesn't stay in one place. You know what would happen if that got out? What would people use that technology for? You know, I can see. Um, you know, a totalitarian state or a state that's not totalitarian becoming that way because they have this technology and can look back into everybody's past. We've all done bad things. Oh, yeah. I see Every yeah, single yeah. one of us. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that sort of technology in the hands of a government, uh, I would be, it, it, you know, it's it's a 1984 thing. We'd all be fucked. There's a I don't know if you explore that in the book, but that's there's a time travel book for you, like a government. I don't. Maybe, that, time, maybe I'll do that machine. next. Yeah, yeah. and, okay, and everyone lives in constant Copyright fear that Kennedy. their past is going to be is going to be. Yeah, you could have like a whole council of people or some shit that like <laughs> fire up the machine and and yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Or or yeah, you know, well, it could be something as simple as like yeah. a background check for a new job. <laughs> Oh, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've read this book. We're talking about sort of fantastic ideas for books and stuff. Uh, Post Mortal by Drew McGarry. Have you heard of that book? 
No, I have not. You should check it out. I like it a lot, and I'm not uh, I'm not a huge fiction fan. But he's a sports writer. He writes. He used to write for Deadspin, um, but he wrote he wrote a couple of novels, and in the book is about um, it's like kind of written as a diary. Uh, it's like a found footage almost kind of book um, where it was like this is the this is the scrapings together a blog post and this guy's live journal and other stuff. This is his story. And it's like in the future they invent um, like a shot or whatever or a pill or a treatment um, that like freezes you in time at your age. So, um yeah, and, and that's and then the story sort of like how it affects this guy and how it affects society as a whole, um, and it's fa- it's really fascinating because he takes a lot of the ideas and goes to like really crazy places with them that, like, it quite frankly, if I had one critique of the book, it was like it's I care less about the actual antics of the main character as much as I really want to hear more about what's happening in the world, and he kind of only touches on it at random points, but it's like, you know, Russia, Russia has amassed a, you know, an army of super soldiers that, an, an immortal army, um, and, you know, and then it's like, they're, then all of a sudden it turns out they're running into all these problems, because they, they have like, they have like an eight million man army that they, they have no, you know, they can't feed them, they don't know what's so all of a sudden they start breaking apart and this rogue elements of the army and stuff like that and it's like a lot of a lot of wild stuff like that where you're like oh i never really even yeah how would this affect things so yeah i recommend uh i recommend that book to folks all right i just clicked on it on uh i just went on amazon and clicked on it man thank you for the recommendation i think you'll like it a lot it's it's really uh it's one i it's one i uh i enjoy quite a bit so how to Build a Time Machine is, is your book, of course. We want people to go and get that. There is a banal reference in the book. So Jason has held up his uh, promise. He's kept the promise to ingratiate banal into the Offit verse, which is good. Well, and Tim, let me, let me just tell you, uh, my next book uh, that's coming out this year is, uh, is a horror novel called The Girl in the Corn. And in it, uh, you're not necessarily in it, but the main characters steal a car that uh, is from that the, the car is they trace it back to a Tim Banal from uh, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. There you go. I love it. So I love it. Your car yeah. is stolen. I hope you never owned a 1974 Nova that got stolen. <sighs> no, I did not. No. But okay. maybe maybe I'll have to. Maybe that's one of those things that'll if if the bo- if the book gets turned into a movie, maybe I'll get the car somehow as a, as a tribute to the some, some that, roundabout that, way. That would be awesome. Yeah, nineteen seventy four Nova. You know, it's it's not a bad car. I'm just saying. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I don't know much about the seventies. That's one time I would like to uh, go back and check out. Yeah, it's but, um. Yeah, the 70s were were kind of weird. Um the my car is a 70s car. I own a 1975 uh Ford Elite which is wow. the uh which is the very which is you know what a Grand Tor- you know a Grand Torino the Starsky and Hutch car vaguely. Yeah, this is the 
better version of that. And by better, I mean it's uh, I know it's got electric seats and you know a couple of bells and whistles, but it's basically that car. Interesting. You drive that every day? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Is that, I, well, is that like hard to maintain? Well, oh, it, it 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 is because it wasn't in all that great a condition when I bought it, so I've had to put some uh, money in it to get it to where I can actually drive it every day. Uh, yeah. Well, and right now the uh, uh, turn signals don't work, it's, oh so it's lucky I live in a really small town, so it doesn't matter because everybody knows where I'm going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I I owned a, a 1976 Grand Torino in in, in high school, and uh, I. Um, talked about it all the time and we needed a new car and my wife's like would you just fucking get that car and shut up about it so yeah thanks honey nice all right yeah that's pretty cool damn you're a man of many surprises chasing off it so that's the book so well so you know I'll... i had one of my yep one of my one students one of my first students who saw the car they're like jesus christ jason that's the car to go hunt demons in and i'm like yeah you know what it is let's do it well, it's got character, and it stands out from all the other cars on the road, because it's like, shit, almost 50 years old now, so yeah. that's pretty, you know, that's pretty awesome. Can you bring it to car shows? They have them here. They must, do they have them where you are, like oh, like hell, a local, yeah. ice, got, cream, got, like, local old... ice cream shop, and they all come out and fucking hang out for the afternoon out in the parking lot and get in my way when I'm trying to buy cigarettes at the gas station? Well, but... well I was thinking, <laughs> you buy cigarettes at the ice cream shop? No, it's, uh, it's at Burger King. That's where we have ours. Oh, nice. Burger King parking lot, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Those they are pretty I cool actually though. Actually once wrote a uh actually once wrote a short story uh involving time travel about a guy who went to the past. He was having you know, he knew his wife was gonna dump him, he was just down and out, he was feeling terrible. Uh, and he looked up this service uh, that offered time travel. Time travel was illegal. And uh, so he paid a bunch of money, and they sent him back in the past. All he wanted to do was buy his car from high school. That was it. He, he wasn't looking for anything else. So he you know, just bought his, bought his car from high school. I, 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 have a, I have a soft spot for old cars. Yeah. No, it's cool. I think my first... <laughs> yeah, my first car was probably an eighty-something Chevy Cavalier, and it was just like your. It was like your, just a boxy, fucking right off the assembly line. Um, you know, nothing particularly, uh, nothing particularly sexy about it at all. Um, you know, I think if I brought it back, it would be, it would sort of be like a like a like eight bit. You know, like that, like when you see something that's an eight-bit uh, oh, computer yeah, graphics. Definitely. You know, you're just kind of like that's that's kitschy and neat, but it's not really like cool. It's just kind of like, oh, it's it's not quite retro enough to be to be cool just yet. So yeah, Chevy was Cavalier. It, was it two door just, or four door? I think it was a four door. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a four door. That's it was like worse. a 1986. Oh. It was like light blue. Um, you know, it was not. It was like a. It, it, looking back on it now, it was like riding around in like a dune buggy almost. It was not really. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just fucking a hunk of metal and <laughs> a couple of bucket seats and uh, 
none of that. I, I think it had the airbags, but I couldn't tell you if it did, to be honest with you. So I think at some point you they know, made everybody the, get the airbags. Probably the person, uh, you know, who worked at Mattel suggested, you know, one of those for a Hot Wheels car uh, uh, was probably fired on the spot. I would, I would, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so now somebody. So when I announced the show here, so someone he he may be listening right now. So uh, this guy Scott Cunningham said um, he actually had a, a fairly uh, detailed question. So I wanted to ask this here. Um, so he says Offit sort of launched his paranormal career, if I remember correctly, on the whole black-eyed kid kid fino- <laughs> on the whole black-eyed kid femno. Which I guess is short for phenomenon. So I yeah. didn't know we were, I didn't know we were doing that now, but but apparently we are. Or maybe so it we'll was that over. early two thousands weight loss drug. You know, it might have <laughs> been it. Yeah. So often sort of launched his paranormal career, if I remember correctly, on the whole black eyed kid femno. Ask him if the first report doesn't correlate time wise to the X Files episode that first used the black eyed imagery with the alien virus black oil. Does that ring any oh bells for you? Oh my gosh! I re- no, I, I definitely remember that episode. I remember that episode. Uh, I can see the name, or not the name. I can see the name. I can see the uh, the, the the face of the Rus- Russian double agent who was infected with it. Yeah, he has um, a picture up there too. He has a picture of a little kid that has. Yeah. And then there was a, yeah, a little kid got it, and it just it rolled over the eyes, smokily rolled over the eyes. Um, but I think the X Files went off the air in '99, maybe something like that, 2000. I don't know this. The the whole Black Eyed Kids, uh, and he's sort of right. I mean, I, I latched onto the Black Eyed Kids things fair, their thing fairly, fairly early on. Um, uh, I, I started out more with ghosts and shadow people. But uh, the the person who uh, launched the Black Eyed Kids, uh, you know, trope uh, was, was a guy named Brian Bethel. He's a journalist from uh, Texas, and he he encountered them, and and he wrote his um, wrote his encounter on a uh, on a message board back in like '98, maybe '99, and that might have been about the time that happened. You know, the the whole X Files thing. Um, yeah. But I. I interviewed Brian, and uh, that scared the shit out of him. I mean, he sounded scared. I, you know, I, I believed him when he told me his story. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes also, sense. I mean, I mean, vampire movies with those, you know, with, with, with black eyes like that as well. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's going back a few years. Those, I mean, it's been around for a while. Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's like, how can, uh, there's no way to really answer that question in a sense, where it's like, how should we, <laughs> we don't know. I mean, maybe that thing had some influence on that taking hold of the zeitgeist, but maybe that was already something that was out there. I mean, it's definitely an eerie sort of connection, so, but to me, I guess what I was wondering in a way, and I mentioned this to you today when I was setting up the show, was, um, Definitely seems like black eyed kids. Uh, it, it seemed like it, it seemed like it maybe now with, it, with the benefit of hindsight, it looks like more like some kind of passing phenomenon in a way. 
Like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't really hear any black eye kids stories anymore at all. And it was like, I felt like they were kind of, they were definitely the, the, a, a big thing for a while. Yeah. For a while, they, they, they definitely were. I, I wrote a ton of them and, uh, I was going to write a book on, on black eyed kids, uh, before, um, God, what's his name? Weatherly. David Weatherly did. And my wife was like, you know, Jason, uh, none of the things you write about really freak me out except for these things. So if you write about black eyed kids and they come knocking on my door, our door, it's your ass. So I didn't write the book. Yeah. But, um, when, when it comes to the black eyed kids, yeah, you're right. They were, there were tons of experiences, tons of stories, and then they kind of disappeared. I've, thought about this a lot over the years and, and you know I took a step back from the paranormal and and right, I only right. came back whenever uh, whenever I did my book on monsters uh, chasing American mm-hmm. monsters um, I am more of the I don't know if I want to say belief or at least logically this is putting things together that there are entities or energies whatever you want to call them out there that tap into what humanity's thinking about whatever we put our energy into our thoughts into that maybe these things catch a hold of that yeah and because when when the black eyed kid phenomena started boom i mean they were everywhere it was the same when when i wrote my book on uh on on uh, no shadow people, um, I saw shadow people in in the seventies when I was when I was a little kid, and I didn't hear anything about them until Art Bell started talking about them on Coast to Coast in like ninety three or you know something like that, and then I was working on my book and I just got hundreds of people contacting me with their own shadow people stories. And, yeah. and that seems to happen whenever um, people notice something. I mean, there was a big Bigfoot wave in the late 60s, right. early 70s. You know, and, and uh, certain types of UFOs are seen in cer- at certain times. And and uh, at this time, you know, between these years and these years, lots of ghosts. So it, it – I, I mean, this is – Yeah, like Chupacabra, that was another one that had sort of its – 15 and that minutes was of fame. Exactly. Thing. I mean, all, all I'm doing is, and, and, and this happened with Slender Man, which was a completely fictitious uh, fictitious character that, that yeah. was done for a website that had a context or contest. But I talked to people who, who seemed to me, honestly, that they believe that they've encountered that thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I'm, I'm I'm answering an unknown with an unknown, but there may be, uh, like I said, energy, entities or energies or something that kind of feed in to, you know, popular thought and whatever is popular at that time, you know, tends to appear. I mean, that's, yeah, because it, it it happens like that. It comes in waves. It always always has. Yeah, yeah. I'm in agreement with you on that. And someone in the chat, same guy. He's the only one in the chat. <laughs> so Chris, Chris in the chat. Oh man, you didn't he, have to he, tell me that, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, he says, what if black-eyed uh, kids were a thought former tulpa and only appear when enough people think about them? That's kind of like what we're saying. I, I, I'm kind of in agreement on that. Where it's like, 
that seems like the most logical explanation. I think when people take that idea and then they misconstrue it, where you're, where people are like, well, no, you're saying it's not real or it's a mass hallucination or something. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I just think that, like, somehow, like you're saying, like, this thing exists in the zeitgeist and whatever this, kind of like what Greg Bishop talks about with the co-creation hypothesis, whatever this thing is in the ether, uh, you know, they pick up on that resonance of, of black-eyed kids and they manifest as black-eyed kids. And and after a while, it kind of dies out, and it, and it picks up on whatever else people are concerned about. You know, phantom clowns, yeah. something like that. Well, right, yeah, I'm glad you threw that out there. I mean, I, I, I grew up in a time uh, when, you know, I mean, the phantom clowns were a thing in, in Kansas City. I mean, and it was at the same time they were in Pennsylvania and, and on the East Coast, you know, up, up in the, I mean, up in the, uh, uh, in the Northeast. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, I know Lauren's written about this stuff, but I remember as a kid, I mean, there were news stories in our local paper, the Kansas City Kansas City Star, about clowns in white vans trying to abduct kids. They never did, but, I mean, we were scared shitless to walk outside. Whenever we saw a white van, it was like, oh, my God, it's the clowns! But yeah, yeah. yeah. That, would, that would definitely fit into that category. I have a friend, God rest his soul, uh, Joe Cosentino. He passed away a few years ago. But he insisted, I wish, obviously I wish he was still around, period. But I wish he was still around uh, post this new Phantom Clown thing so I could get him on the show to tell the story. Because he insisted that he had a Phantom Clown encounter as a kid um, at the reservoir in our town here. Um, and, and he was so sure of it, he actually had a, got a tattoo of a clown. Um, like a menacing clown. So unless yeah. he, unless he, he was a bit of a, he was a bit of a confabulist. So we can't necessarily rule out that that um, that, that this all worked the opposite direction. That he got the that he that he was like, you know, it'd be cool a creepy clown tattoo. And then so the story kind of came to him later. But um, but but he his story was that he saw a creepy phantom clown and uh, and he got the tattoo of the clown. So you know. I did. Uh, I did know someone who really genuinely claimed to have had one of those experiences. Um, you know, I got to ask his brother about that and see if he. I think his brother was there. I don't know if he if he saw the clown too or what. So, but now that that reminds me, I hadn't hadn't thought about it. <laughs> I thought about my yeah. friend's phantom clown experience. Um, yeah, black eyed kids. I never. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if they make a comeback. I guess. I don't know what would be the thing now anyway. People can't even leave the house or anything. How did you, without getting, like, too dark or whatever, but, like, <laughs> how did you find the pandemic? Um, you know, how, what was your experience uh, the last year? And, you know, was it, uh, you know, what, what was your experience like this past year? Because I haven't talked to you in a while. So what? You know, how did how did you again? How did you, how did you find the pandemic? Now that it's practically over. I honestly, I honestly don't want, really want to answer that question, Tim. Uh oh, why? <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm going to tell you why because during the pandemic. Well, first, I'm a reclusive shut-in. So I, am I. I'm an so it was like, yeah. So I really wasn't really yeah, that so affected like, by the pandemic. <laughs> so I feel kind of right, weird. Is, is my yeah. life changed? Not really. It's not really changed. I don't go out anyway. Um, so so I had I had that 
uh, I had, you know, how to build a time machine, or not how to build a time machine, but, but you had to build a time machine, came out to, to yeah. really good reviews. Um, I got my next novel accepted by my publisher, which is the horror novel, A Girl in the Corn, which is coming out in the fall. Um, you know, I, I, I had that stuff happen. Uh, nobody I knew caught COVID. Oh, well, I knew I had one buddy, but, uh, I mean, he got over it fairly fast. Uh, yeah. I had a great 2020 and I just feel terrible because so many people didn't. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. And it, it is, yeah, it's not, it's sort of, it's kind of, yeah, it's not exactly, it's, it's yeah, it's, I feel bad. I feel guilty like saying it. But yeah, I thought, you know, I, I talked about this with Tyler Cochon a few weeks ago. We were doing the anniversary show, but it was like, you remember, I don't know what it was like in Missouri, but here in Massachusetts, there was this brief window, like around the start of the summer to like the end of the summer, where pretty much things were almost back to normal. And we had to wear a mask, and like it was all the all the general rules, and it was like uh, you, nobody could really leave the state, but no one could really come to the state either. So it was like all the shit you ever wanted to do in the summer in Massachusetts, uh, you could do without dealing with anybody else. I was at I went to Plymouth Plantation by myself, and I was the only one walking around Plymouth <laughs> Plantation. Me and seven or eight people forced to portray pilgrims or whatever. Like, yeah. and, and I, I find those people so fascinating. I just want to know more about them, but it, it's like, it's trying to like hug a mime. It's like, they won't, yeah. they, you, they won't break character ever. And it's like, no, you don't understand. I, I, I want to know what, what, like, what, what life is like as a pretend pilgrim. That's what I want like, to know. Not, not what life was like as a fucking pilgrim. Castle. Come on, smile. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the, the, the pandemic, it, it was awful and terrible and shit, but I managed to, uh, you know, skate by as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was great. Like I said, I feel, you know, really bad having a great 2020, but you know, I'm, I'm it is what, what it is. Say? <laughs> it is <Yeah>. what it is. <laughs> the, it was very, I did find the whole experience like. It was very apocalyptic just watching it all on on TV and shit. It was like this is this is like I don't necessarily like it when the world resembles an apocalyptic film for obvious reasons. So right. when when you know there were all these scenes of like the one thing that'll always stick with me is uh, Mecca. There was like pictures of Mecca because apparently Mecca otherwise is always packed, um, but because they shut it down. Like, you could see the white floor. There's a giant, like, circle thing, and, and like, they, peop, uh, the most of the people all congregate there and pray, and, 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 like, that's the meeting place. That's the center or whatever. And um, uh, I'm not doing this justice in any way at all, folks, so I apologize if I, if I get things wrong. But the, the gist of it is there's this place, and it has, like, a, an all-white floor, and it's outdoors, and it has, like, an all-white tile floor where you almost can never see the floor because so many people are there. Uh, congregating and praying and pilgrimaging to Mecca. And there was these pictures where it was like, this is, it was like that everywhere. It was like all these empty, empty places, just empty, this emptiness. It was really, you know, it was creepy. It was this like end of the world. You got kind of a glimpse of like what it would be like, which is, uh, it was really kind of freaky. Yeah, I know. It's, I, 
again, I'm going to sound awful, but it was it's been kind of neat living through a pandemic. How no, you're absolutely happen? right. I won't I won't disagree with you whatsoever. And it, it is, yeah, it 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 can be both. It can be terrible and also fascinating, right? I mean, you okay, know, I think yeah, that's I'll give you fair. That, yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, thank you for making me not sound like such a you know shithead. No, you're not saying it was fun. <laughs> it, but it was. But no, it, it was, wasn't. Yeah. No. It was by yeah, no means right. fun. Believe me, I would rather have had a regular fucking year. I think everybody would have re- regular ha- had a regular year. But it was like, okay, well, if we're going to experience this, um, you know, it's pretty interesting to see how this is this is happening. So yeah, no, I'm you in, know, I'm in agreement with you. About. It 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 might have it it might have registered differently if uh, my parents were alive, which which they're not. They they died long before this. So if if I had you know, uh, you know my parents to deal with, with COVID them being old, uh, I think it, it would have been a lot more stressful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Believe me, people. Uh, yeah. No, it was not pleasant for a lot of people, and I feel bad for all those folks. Obviously. But, Jesus, yeah. Tim, thanks for making me talk about my dead parents, man. Oh man, I'm sorry. It was great. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> As someone no, else I mean, the they are dead, but <laughs> when the lockdown came, I uh, I was excited that my lifestyle had become a government mandate. So, so yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much yeah. it. Um, you know, yeah, it was it, it was See, an this interesting is, this experience. Is why the nineteen, this is why you know, like the nineteen eighteen Spanish flu. Um, you know, pandemic sucks so much, and they they didn't have the internet. You know, if you were stuck oh, home, yeah, you for were sure. stuck home. Well, that was the thing. Like, look it, okay? There's a lot of, like, the thing was fucking terrible. No one's, we're, we, can, we can set that aside. This is sort of like when you're talking about a serial killer, where it's like, okay, well, my favorite serial killer, where it's like, okay, well, you know, you got to <laughs> always put, the, put that up ahead first, right? Okay, he was a terrible fucking person, but the most interesting is whatever. So, like, yes, it was a fucking horrible, just awful. It was a plague. But uh, now I lost my train of thought. Train of thought. (laughs) Setting up the pre-apology. But, yeah, it was was an interesting experience to live through. That's for for sure. And, uh, well, you know, I think think the thing that about about the whole uh, pandemic – that it really bothered me is, I mean, I knew human beings were selfish, and I knew we were overall uh, mean to each other, mainly because yeah. we are selfish. But, but I mean, watching that unfold, uh, I mean, I, I live in a small town. We were like almost 13,000 people, not quite. Whenever the university's not in session, it's, the population goes down. And and we we're in a rural area, and and there was such a fight with our city council deciding, you know, we're 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 having a mask mandate, you know, this this we don't want, you know, to have a lot of problems here, so you know we have social distancing, we're requiring it, you know, everybody's going to wear these masks, and you're just going to deal with it. You can't go into a business without a mask, and so many people were fighting it. We we had one business owner who recently ran for city council. Who who made it viral? Um, 
you know, back back in the summer because on his business, which is a restaurant slash bar, he put a sign on the front door saying, "No masks allowed." Oh boy! Yeah, it, yeah. It was like, yeah, we've we've got all these people wanting, you know, to you know to, to not spread the virus, and then we've got all these assholes who don't care. Yeah, it's my it's pretty, right to yeah. spread the virus. Yeah, the whole yeah, the mask thing was just ridiculous. Luckily, people got in line pretty well here in Massachusetts cuz uh we got hit with the pandemic pretty bad right away. So it was like people kind of woke up to it pretty fast. But yeah, in these other parts of the country, it's crazy. It's really it was this point. We got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The train of thought that I had has come back from the time traveling that it was on. See what I did there? I threw it back to the Back to the Future. Yeah, so, man, that was a, that's because you're so, professional. There you go. Um, but yeah, you 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 made a good point earlier. This would set me off on my thing, where it was like, this is as far as pandemics go. For the average person, it was probably much easier than than any previous pandemic in human history. Because like all the like the joke was like all they're asking you to do is fucking stay home. And don't go out and watch TV, you know. So it was like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's not that bad. Like the whole, the whole thing, like from the, the very beginning, was like everyone just stay home for a while, and and we'll kind of we'll kind of figure this out. But a lot of people, they a lot of people had couldn't stay home. And those, you know, my heart goes out to those people. But the, the people who just who just wouldn't stay home, that's when that's when all the trouble started. Who were like, oh right, man, right. it's my right to go and it's, it's my right to go and get a haircut or whatever. It's like just fucking let it grow. Just let, so you're not yeah. going anywhere. No one can see you. Like this is your time right. to grow a mustache. This is your chance. So <laughs> revel and in. Please it. shave it off immediately, but grow it right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and here, I mean, because we're in in. Like I said, a rural area, and, and and we've got a university, so there are a whole lot of you know really well educated people here, and then there are just norm other people who are just normal living their lives, and and um, I mean there there were the, we had a number of people running for city council recently, and they made that a, a you know part of their campaign is about the intellectual elite at the at the university. Why do we listen to them? And I'm thinking, we're smart, you know. You know, maybe right. you should listen to educated people. I think. Well, that's yeah. A, I don't know. Yeah, that's a big problem nowadays. It's like expertise is, uh, it's like frowned upon. Where it's like, it's like, well, who the, who else are you gonna listen to but the experts, dude? They're the ones who know, like shit. Well, exactly. But it's like, oh. Nobody, you know, nobody wants to. Nobody wants to listen to the doctors or whatever. And then they always blame it on my friends and the flat Earth movement, like they fucking have anything to do with it. It's, <laughs> it's always like you know what I it's blame like, the yeah. flat Earthers for. I totally blame what? all the flat Earth people for enticing fun. Enticing Damn fun. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I love the flat Earthers. But that's, I hear that I mean, I don't agree such a with leap in logic because like they go, well, you know, people don't believe in experts now. It's, it's, 
you got people thinking the earth is flat. It's like it's like that's a quite a fucking leap from one to like <laughs> first of all, dude, like almost no one believes the earth is flat. So anyone who thinks this is some this is some widespread thing, it's like no. No one almost no one does. It's a very small group of very interesting, colorful people. But yeah. So they're not to blame why people don't trust Dr. Fauci. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, how did we get on all that from the pandemic? But yeah, uh, it was well, an interesting. Have you opened a beer yet, Tim? <laughs> I just cracked one open now, so right, now we're man. now we're in business. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was an interesting experience. Um, you know, I don't think I hear a lot of these horror stories where it's like, oh, this is just the start of it. It's like, nah, I think I think we're probably this is probably our only pandemic. I hope. Knock on wood. I, but, I right. No, I, yeah. I think we're on our way down. I get my I get my second shot in uh, like a week and a half. Um, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to that. You know, this is what I'm going to do when when I retire. Is uh, you were talking about flat earthers. When when I retire, I'm just going to travel the country. I, I'm going to go to every Bigfoot convention, flat Earth convention, uh, Hollow Earth convention. I just want to experience all this. I think it'll be a blast. You'll probably see me at the Flat Earth Convention because uh, well, last I checked, I'm in with the Flat Earthers, but you can never tell. You know, there's always one or two you're probably persona non grata with. If you... <laughs> yeah, dude, just don't, Tim, don't talk about yeah. Australia. Just don't, don't do that. Oh my god, yeah. There was a. <laughs> I don't think I've I've told this story elsewhere, but I, I've never told this story on the show. There was a uh, a young lady from. Australia, who was at the Flat Earth um, conference that I went to. And I'll send you the link to the story I did for Coast to Coast. But uh, she she was a cute girl. Um, I, don't, I don't think I can get in trouble for saying that. Um, so, uh, well, did you get a number? No, no, no. I was perfectly professional. She was attractive. She was an attractive young woman. Um, and I'm obvious, I, as, as will become clear as the story goes along here, it, I was apparently not the only one who thought so because – uh, she wore a shirt that was like just the kind of thing you go to the mall and get, and they like iron on the letters. So it wasn't even like professionally oh, yeah. made. It said like it was like ask me about the flat Earth or something like that. It was uh, like the John like, Belushi shirt from Animal House. Yes. that says college. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm painting this picture now. So, so she was really cool. I took her picture and posted it on our on my social media and everything, and. Um, so, like, okay, so six months goes by, um, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm working here for Coast to Coast and looking for stories for the day, and look, I see Flat Earther appears on Australian Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and I go there, and it's the girl. It's it's the it's the woman from Australia, from Australia wearing the same shirt, wearing the <laughs> I May Ask You About the Flat Earth. So if there was any doubt, if there was any doubt, so clearly they, they were like, this is the perfect person to be on TV. So, uh, yeah, so she was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Australia, and the punchline to the whole story is the host spent like two minutes talking to her about the flat earth, um, why she believes the earth is flat. They start the game. Now, I'm sure you've seen Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at least once or twice, or any fucking game show ever um, where it's progressive. She got the first question wrong. She got she got the very first question wrong and was eliminated on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. 
And, yeah. and those questions are like, you know, how many fingers do you have on your left hand? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, are you? Yeah, are you on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire right now? Yeah. It's like that. That's the, that's the easiest possible question. So yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, so Steve Berg, I don't know if you know Steve Berg at all. He's an actor. Um, he's appeared on Goldbergs and Drunk History. He's a big time but all of America listener. Um, well, he's guests, been on we, both of those shows. I've seen him. Well, if you've seen the Goldbergs, he plays the mailman on the Goldbergs. So he's been on like two or three times. He just has little parts. He's on. Right, he does awesome. a lot on Drunk History. Um, he did the, the Drunk History episode. He's a huge paranormal fan, and he did the Roswell. They did a Roswell Drunk History, and he, he it was his thing. He was the one getting drunk and telling the story. Um well, he is a long-time Ben All-America listener, and he wants to know – he posted this on Twitter. We talked about this before we went on the air. He asked me to ask you about the Seven Sisters Road outside of Nebraska City. So what is what is that all about? Well, is uh, do you know if he's from Nebraska? Because who the hell would know that? Uh, he's from the Midwest. I... It's been a while since okay, I Nebraska's spoke to in him. The Midwest. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, he's so, from the Midwest. Yeah. I don't – yeah. You know, the Midwest uh, encompasses a large region that I don't think it should encompass. Ohio. Oh, he's from Omaha, Nebraska. He's from Omaha, right, Nebraska. Omaha. So, uh, okay. good people up there. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Seven Sisters Road outside of, uh, outside of Nebraska City, which is the Arbor Day City, um, or wow. the Arbor City, it's um, – there's a legend. It's an urban legend that there was a family. There was one son and uh, seven girls, and uh, something happened. The family was arguing. The boy got pissed off, and he took one of his sisters outside and killed her. And then he lured the other sisters outside, and he eventually ended up hanging them from trees along... A, a stretch of road that was on that was hilly. There were there were seven yeah. hills there. Uh, right right now, I mean, with with uh, road construction and such, uh, the hills have been kind of shaved down and 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 things. There's only a few hills remaining, but um, and, and the trees that people may have been may or may not have been hanged from are are long since gone. But uh, there aren't any real records showing if this is real or not. So yeah. uh, I mean it's an urban legend. It's 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 a fun one. It's pretty common, but uh uh it makes the road probably kind of really creepy for teenagers who want to make out. All right. Interesting. Now is this is <laughs> my 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 main issue here with this story. You ready for this? This has been all at, yeah. uh, at its finest. My main issue here is the, is Nebraska City in Nebraska? Yes. See that's bullshit. I mean, thank you for asking that because Kansas City's in Missouri, and people well, don't realize. I mean, there's a Kansas City, Kansas, but it's a lot smaller. And yeah, but yeah, Nebraska City's in Nebraska. It's in uh, yeah, uh, southern Nebraska. But uh, yeah, it's 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 there. It's so lazy. <laughs> like where, what? Where Nebraska that? City. The name. Oh, yeah. The, the capital of Oklahoma is Oklahoma City. Wait a second. Are you? Oh, I didn't even think of that. To criti- you didn't, are you going to criticize Red Pill Junkie? 
Are you going to criticize him? Oh, because he's from Mexico. What City. is the capital? What is the capital of Mexico? That's true. Mexico's All city. right. Yeah. RPG, uh, I got you back, man. RPG. Interesting. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only slightly. He's only, he's only slightly got you back. <laughs> Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, you raise a good I point. Day, I yeah. I retract my I retract my criticism of uh, Nebraska City. Now I feel bad for it because then, if you really think about it, right, Kansas City, you know, they made something of themselves. Oklahoma City, big time. You know, they made it. Oklahoma yeah. City, Mexico City, awesome. They're a big time city. What happened with Nebraska City? Never took off. Because they put their money on trees. That was it. I guess so. What is the coolest thing this city's going to be known for? Uh, trees. 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 <laughs> oh, man. So you, what do you – you said you're working on another – what's the – got a book coming out this summer, right? Uh, fall. This fall, it's a horror novel. Fall. Yeah, it's called The Girl in the Corn. The girl, a horror novel. Horror novel. See, it's my first horror novel. Okay, but you've written zombie stuff. So what, what was that? A sci-fi? Would you say? Oh, it was. It was more humor. It was. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was more sci-fi humor. My very first, the the, the first one in the two book series was, uh, what is that? A duology. Uh, my first book go. was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, a zombie novel without zombies. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, there were no zombies in my zombie novel. So, yeah, there were more humor than anything else. And so with this horror story, it's... Okay. Well, I don't want to get into the too deeply into it because the book hasn't even come out yet or anything. But So I, I take it so, so, there's like murder and mayhem in it kind of thing. Oh yeah, there's 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 some blood and there's some uh definitely uh some creepy ass stuff. Um have you this isn't go ahead, go ahead. No 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 go ahead, Tim. I was gonna well, reveal something about the book which I don't need to. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Um Well I feel like one of the hardest things to write would be like a mystery. I feel like that would be or maybe it's easy if you're a mystery writer, but it's always like any of those stories that have like a twist kind of ending or like you got to figure it out as you go along i think it takes a certain sort of finesse to you know craft a story like that so but uh, 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 it takes organization i mean because you've got to know everything that goes on uh i remember seeing uh the sixth sense in the theater and when the ending hit me i just completely blew me away but the next time i watched it i'm like okay I could I could see everything setting up the ending. So the second time watching it, it was no big deal. But the first time I watched it, it was uh, yeah, it took me by surprise. So yeah, it, t- yeah. It, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, I don't know how I'd even. I guess it's just one. That's why the people who write mystery writer like mystery writers are held up in such high regard. So, um, yeah. Did you see that Knives Out? That was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was. It was I mean, a fantastic cast. And I, yeah. I've got a lot of respect for Chris Evans. I really enjoy him. Why is that? Because I think he's a good actor. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's Captain America? Yeah. <laughs> yeah what? I don't have... America? I'm not judging. I don't know. I don't know what... I don't know what... what uh... just, that was a weird question. I don't know. Are you, are, do you want me to say that I thought he was, was hot wearing... Uh, uh, cool no, I don't whip know what he in, did. I don't know. Uh, what the hell movie was that? Uh, not another teen movie. Yeah, that's what you're trying to get me to go. Oh, he's in not another. See, this is the this is the thing. That's okay. So that see, that's what I was trying to. I don't know anything. When I saw him in Knives Out, I said to myself, "Oh, it's the Captain America guy." So when when you said you have appreciation for him, it's like it's in my mind. I'm like, I only know he's been in two movies. <laughs> Captain America. Oh, yeah, no, he's and, been, and knives out. Been, so it's like, uh, wait a minute, what? What else is this guy known for that I don't that I don't know? Well, he 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 played uh, um, Johnny Storm in uh, in the in the first um, or in, in in the Michael Chiklis uh, Fantastic Four movies. Yes, he was. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he was also in uh, the one with the. Train, uh, the post-apocalyptic uh, train in the ice. What the hell was that called? Snowpiercer? Yes, that one. I heard that's really yeah, good. He's been, he's, well, it was, it was all right. He did, he did a good job. He's a good actor. I, I, I like him. Okay. See, all right. That's what I was confused about. Because, uh, all right. I don't know about you, but for the folks who, you know, who are like, what the fuck? We're like really veering into pop culture now, so just get, buckle up for like the next half hour because who knows what we're gonna <laughs> get into here. Because um, you're kind of a pop culture junkie, like I am. It's I don't know yeah. about you, but like I I've just kind of thrown up my hands with this Marvel stuff. I checked out like I think at the uh, at the first Avengers because it's like I can't keep up with all that shit, man. I can't keep up with all these movies. And, you and know, I couldn't, except I've got a my, – my son is 16 right now. And okay. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that I've been with him through all this, I, I would have quit a long time ago. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't. I mean, there have been a whole bunch of movies I've been like, you know, what the hell? Why am I watching this? But but there have been a few really good ones. I mean, the, the first Avengers I enjoyed. Uh, the first Captain America movie I think is the best one overall because it's a World War II movie. And right, it's right. a superhero movie. Um, the the last Thor movie I saw, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, all, all those have been fun, but most of them have been, you know, whatever. Why 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 am I watching? I'm not. I'm I, I, I'm a superhero guy. From uh, when I was a kid, I, I had tons of comic books, but man, they're just exhausting. I, I'm I'm a superhero overload. It's a lot to keep up with. Yeah. Then they got the ancillary yeah, TV really. shows and shit, and it's like, oh, all right, I don't really, you know. Um, did you see Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong? Oh, man, do you really want to get into this? Yes, I do, because I saw it, and you're the only person I know who's seen it. And Spoiler okay. alert, folks, you've seen it, right? So we can talk, we'll talk about it. So, spoiler alert, right, if you haven't right, seen so- Godzilla vs. It came out, like, fucking three weeks ago, so if you haven't seen it yet... I don't know what to tell you. Like, just turn off the show and come back after you've seen it, or fast forward like five minutes or whatever. But yeah, I've seen it. I'm dying to talk about it. So, what did what did you, you know think? about two about two years ago? I, I gave a spoiler on a Harry Potter movie, and somebody was pissed off at me because they hadn't seen it yet or read the book. <laughs> and I'm like, it's been on for 15 fucking years. What are you kidding me? Yeah, you want me to, that's you ridiculous. Know, not give you the you know the ending of Citizen Kane. You know, I whatever. Okay. 
Um, I hated the first. I mean, well, I'm going to go back to all of the new Godzilla, King Kong, that whole universe they're putting together. The yeah. MonsterVerse. All right. The first Godzilla movie I was really disappointed in. The first Godzilla movie, because uh, they touted Brian Cranston. Man, I love Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston great, could be yeah. on screen taking a dump, reading the newspaper. And and I would think it's the greatest thing ever. He's just, Brian Cranston is fantastic. Yeah, he was great. in the movie for like 15 minutes. And Dolly. Godzilla was in the movie like for 15 minutes. So I, it just bored me. The oh, second one, however, Godzilla King of Monsters, I loved that movie. I mean, it had it had everybody. I mean, it had it had um, uh, you know King Ghidra, Ghidra. It had you know which was Monster X. It had Rodan. It had uh, Mothra. It had all these monsters together, and and the story was fun. Okay. Out of all of them, Kong, uh, Kong Skull, or Skull Island, Kong Skull Island was I, Kong has been my favorite since since I was really young. So I loved that movie. Yeah. Shit had John Goodman in it. He's another actor that can do no wrong. Um, the 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 new movie I thought was fun. I didn't think okay. the story was as good. I didn't think the story was as good as Kong Skull Island or uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. Um, but it, I mean, it was fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, the action yeah. scenes were terrific. Um, but I mean, I I. Probably, I'll, I'm going to watch it again. So, yeah, I mean, that I, says something I, about it, that I'll watch it again. I think we're in pretty much agreement there, where it was like, the fights were awesome, and the action was great. The story was like, ah, uh, just atrocious, man. Just, just, just really bad. Like, I couldn't, here was part of my problem. Like, I didn't see all the other movies. I asked a friend who had seen all the other movies, and, and she explained to me that, that no, I wasn't mistaken. Because, like, you, it feels like you're jumping into the middle of this thing. I'm like, I'm, and I'm like, oh, wait, am I supposed to know who that guy is? Am I supposed to know who that guy is? And apparently, like, half the people in fucking Godzilla vs. Kong were just people that just showed up in that movie. And it was like, no, you're not supposed to know who they are. You're just supposed to, I guess, figure it out. And it was like, I don't. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> like, like what yeah. is what is going on here? You know, and at one point, like Godzilla attacks this thing, and CNN has breaking news, and it's like, okay, so this is again, it's kind of like going back to that book I was talking about, where it's like, it's like the the actual little people who are interacting with these monsters. I don't have that much interest in. I want to know like how society is reacting to there being monsters. That to me is interesting. I don't know if that's in any other movies, but. Um, you know, and, and this is where we get deep into spoilers, but it's like, okay, so King Kong goes into the Hollow Earth, then fucking Godzilla, who, he can spray his, his spray there, his nuclear spray or whatever, atomic spray, like, at, at other monsters and shit, and they just kind of like, they're like, oh, that hurts, so, you know, it's, oh, it's like a, oh, it's like a heat beam, ouch, stop, you know, but, but somehow, but he fucking can eat through the fucking planet. Yes, yes. Somehow Godzilla yes. can fucking shoot his 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 death breath like through the fucking ground to create a giant tunnel to the Hollow Earth. It's like, come on, dude. Like, like, like really? Like, really? Like, doesn't even like make any sense. So yeah, that yeah. was that was uh, 
Yeah, what I would have loved in the movie, too, because this is like what I got tripped up on a lot watching it, right? So, as you know, there's like a scene where they're transporting Godzilla. Again, folks, if you haven't seen the fucking movie, we're ruining it for you in some regard. So, I apologize, but you should know better by now. But again, it's been Um, out for three weeks, so where the hell have you been? Yeah. So, So... they're transporting Godzilla on, like, a cargo ship with the Navy helping them and shit. And it's, like, this big, giant military operation. And Godzilla comes up, and he wants to fight King Kong, and they, they fight. And, like, all kinds of battleships are destroyed and shit. The point being is, like, I would – if I could ever talk to the director or someone involved with the movie, what I would love to know is, like, okay, in the fictional universe of what I just saw, how many people just fucking died? Right? Yeah. Because, because – like there, had, like, there had to be, like, hundreds of people had to have died in the story of Godzilla versus Kong. But they're not – it's not ever – it never kind of comes up. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, there, there are so there, – there are so many problems. But here, here's – you know, I'm kind of torn, Tim, because I was talking earlier about characters. I love characters movies, any story should be character driven. I gotta care about somebody. Mm-hmm. And things have to make sense. And then I'm looking at this going we have a radioactive dinosaur that's like, you know, hundreds of feet taller than it you know, realistically should be. And we have a gorilla hundreds yeah. of feet taller than it should be. And they're fighting on a boat. Who gives a shit? So I'm kinda torn here. Yeah, the fighting was cool, but yeah, it was it was. I mean, like, the fighting was cool, but you know, if Kong is thrown against a skyscraper, it's going down. The whole thing, right? And all the yeah, know, that's the that's the that's the. There's a. I think Star Trek did a show like this. There've been some shows like that. I think Star Trek's doing like an animated show like that about kind of like the people who are, you know, the people who are uh, like in the below deck of the Enterprise or whatever. And it's like that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of movie I want to see. Like the dude who's the dude who's at his office job when Godzilla is is like rampaging through the city. Um, yeah. You know, the, there's a great online joke too about like an insurance company. Like, what are the insurance companies like in the in the Marvel universe? Where it's like, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. fucking Spider-Man's just trashed my car and threw it at the Green Goblin. So you know, I have I have I have Spider-Man insurance. So I'm going to need you to, you know, go ahead and go go through that for me. And it's like, yeah, there needs to be – I'd like to see some comedic looks at the world in that sense. That would be fun. Man, I, I, I have a I have an album, uh, an LP. I've got actual vinyl. Oh. Uh, I, I, I love stand-up <laughs> comics. I've always loved stand-up mm-hmm. comics. And I've got a Bob Newhart stand-up. Oh, the best. And one of his skits is – he is a, a brand new employee. He's a janitor on the Empire State Building, and what he's doing is he's calling his boss because this twenty-foot-tall gorilla has started <laughs> climbing up the building. You know, here I am. It's my first day in the job. What am I supposed to do? You know, like poke it with a broom? Um, you know what? I, yeah. So, I mean, that's it's effing brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, that, those are the sort of things that people want to know. What what are the what are the real people dealing with? Yeah, and uh, you know that's that's some of the people that I, that I that I deal with. 
in 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 my uh, you know the novel, my horror novel coming up, the uh, one of the characters is a, uh, a janitor. The other, another one is a uh, is a uh, food delivery driver. Uh, those those oh, are nice. the big uh, those are the big jobs that they have to uh, save the world. You should have. Well, is, is the book already done and submitted and everything? Oh, it's submitted. I'm, I'm uh, in the ed- part of the editorial process to where I'm doing rewrites. Well, you're a man of many jobs, so maybe you're of the same. Maybe you and I are cut from the same uh, same rag here. Because I was once a janitor. Um, I never did janitorial work, but I lived on a farm and was covered with animal shit a lot of my life. Okay, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I spent about five years as a janitor. Some of the best years of my life, in a way. It was a really, uh, you know, talk about fucking low-pressure jobs. It's yeah. like, yeah, I, well, really. I yeah. Well, and, and the guy who's a janitor, one of the one of the reasons he took this job was because uh, janitors are one of the jobs where people are invisible. Right, right. I mean, people don't notice a janitor. Um what uh, when I teach my my uh, photography students, nobody notices photographers. They're kind of a background thing at an at an event because yeah. people are watching the event. And uh man, you can you can do a lot of things if people don't pay attention to you. Yeah, yeah. I used to because I'm a because I'm a man child. Uh, when I was a janitor, I used to imagine this sort of idea that was like uh, like a secret. Like the janitors are like a secret society almost. Where it's like we have the keys. You can almost like apply it to like the whole like Freemasonry kind of thing too. Where it's like we have the keys to all the doors. We we have all the information. So it's like if you need to know something, you go to the janitor because they. They have all the insights. They they're like like you said. They're like the fly on the wall, you know. While they're right. while they're in there sweeping the floor, two people are talking, and they're like, "It's just the janitor. Don't worry about that." And it's like, "Oh no, the janitor knows all. He knows all the secrets of the building, and he has the keys to all the doors." So right. I mean, if if, if you remember if you remember uh, the Breakfast Club, the janitor was the wise one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Janeteers, that's what I called the secret society in my <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. In my mind. The you know, Janeteers. Uh, yeah, you don't you know yeah, don't don't worry, don't don't feel don't don't feel troubled about imagining things like that because you know, as a teacher at uh, at the at the university here, whenever the kids leave, all the students are gone and I walk around around campus, I pretend it's a zombie apocalypse. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. there's nobody there. Now, is zombies are zombies like out now? I feel like they've they've cuffs they've cusped or whatever that would be. They're oh Jesus, these. I hope so. I, I I thought they were gone ten years ago, but they haven't been. Um, not that I have a problem with zombies. It's just they've overstayed their welcome. Yeah, the, I think um, so. the the attraction I think with zombies and and this 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 goes to. All sorts of different genres. Whenever there are, um, whenever there's social upheaval, whenever there's uh, economic troubles, whenever there's political troubles, or, or you know anything bad going along in the world, the paranormal comes into view. I mean, it, it becomes popular, and yeah. 
the zombies are, have been popular for years. We've had economic troubles for decades. Um, we've we've been unsure of. Hello. Uh oh. Oh shit. Where's Jason? He says he's still. At... Oh no, his call dropped. Well, we'll see if he gets back on uh, in the next ten minutes. I'm gonna send him a quick. Bear with me, folks. We're uh, we're uh, flying. Uh, we're flying without Jason here. Lost. Lost your call. Please phone back into the show if possible. If not, we'll wrap things up. There you go. So, we'll take you a little little peek behind the curtain um, on how the show goes. So, so yeah. So, we just lost Jason. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, anything can happen, so who knows? His, uh, his phone might have died out. Um, you know, he may have been uh, just simply disconnected. Could hit the wrong button. I've done that myself sometimes. While we wait for uh, while we wait for Jason to call back in, if possible, uh, let me tell you what's going on on uh, next week's edition of Banal of America. Uh, I already got the guest lined up. It's going to be another old friend of the show, as is the theme here for the spring sessions. Uh, a really good friend of mine, um, and uh, I guess you could say. Uh, Somewhat, somewhat of a thorn in the side of UFO world. And that's why I love him. I'm um, talking about the incomparable Jack Brewer. He's going to be back on Banal of America to talk about all the things happening in the world of uh, UFOs in uh, in the last few weeks and last few years, really. So we're going to talk about uh, the latest stuff with the weird videos and uh, with the weird video and the weird photos and. Um, you know, theories that these are drones and the upcoming Pentagon report. And uh, he's done a lot of research into NICAP and things like that. So we'll uh, we'll be talking to Jack Brewer on next week's program. Here is Jason. He's back. Nice. My God, I good, went off good. in this long spiel about zombies, and, and uh, I was gone. You were uh, undead there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's actually pretty good because almost never – Almost never does the guest get back to the <laughs> to the show. <laughs> usually it's usually it's like uh, you know, oh oh, uh, my the power went out or whatever, or I never hear from them. And like a half hour later, it's like, oh hey, sorry man, oh you know, the cat chewed through the wire, and next thing you know, I'm not on the air anymore. So, but uh, yeah, we're talking about zombies. So yeah, it seems like the zombie thing is wrapped up now. Hopefully, it's on the wind down. Well, I, yeah, it's probably I. I I don't know. I mean, we've got that uh, new Zack, Zack Schneider movie coming out on uh, on Netflix. Uh, the Walking Dead, I think, is still actually a thing. Uh, when it when it comes yeah, to it is. yeah yeah when it when it comes to monsters, um, things kind of go in cycles. I mean, we talked about this earlier, but whenever uh, whenever the world's going through you know economic turmoil or, or political or social strife. Uh, you know, monsters are really popular, and and you know, for the past what what twenty years, it's been zombies. Um, when I wrote my zombie novels, hell, it's been ten years ago. I mean, I thought they were over then. Yeah. 
So so I don't I don't know what what's going to replace them. You know the the thing about uh, the zombies that's so appealing is people make us angry, but you really can't go out and, and kill people. That you know kind of turns off the cops and right, you know, right. society in general. But killing zombies is okay. They look like people. That's true. And I can kill them. So I, I mean, I think that's you know the basic zombie popularity is that you know you you can get away with killing them and, and people cheer. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see if, and I'm sure. I mean, I, I'm not sure, but it would, uh, maybe like a pop culture sort of expert would know this better. Uh, and maybe a look back at sort of the because when I was in college, uh, I I studied a lot of this stuff, and it was like. I don't remember the exact uh, the tit for tat on this, but it was like when society's going through this certain sort of thing, westerns are really popular. When these things happen, uh, gangster movies are really popular. So it's like I'd be, and there really hasn't been a real pandemic for like a hundred years. I guess there was a couple of like dust ups uh, between now and uh, the 1918 Spanish flu or whatever, but that was sort of like the big temple of, of pandemics. Uh, so maybe if you looked back then, you'd see what it was that kind of uh, sprung from that. But, um, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see what sort of changes we see in the in the pop culture zeitgeist. Like another one was like musicals. Musicals all of a sudden become really – maybe that'll be the thing. Maybe like people will be so uh, ebullient over the pandemic being over – that that there'll be sort of like this uh, this new thing with musicals. Not that I'm a fan, I'm not a fan of musicals myself, but um, maybe that'll be what 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 the zeitgeist latches onto. But it'll be interesting to see in the next two or three years if there's any discernible uh, trend that comes out of this period we're living through right now. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. And and I've thought for years, you know, what's going to be the next? What's going to be the next? And and I know I'm not equipped to think of that. Uh, the the big universal, you know, monster movie uh, era was from 1931 until through, you know through the 40s. I mean, look what we were going through. We had we had the uh, uh, you know the Great Depression and World War II, and then movies changed to everybody being scared of uh, of radioactivity, and then you know then we had the big radioactive monsters. So you know, well, yeah, what's going to happen with the uh, with, with the pandemic? There's been a big discussion uh, on Twitter. Most of the people that I follow and follow me are uh, authors, editors, and agents. And, and the big discussion is how are we going to treat 2020 and 2021? Yeah, in our fiction. Yeah, um, that's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, my next couple of novels I might, uh, you know, base in the 80s, just so I don't have to deal with just, it. Just, just to avoid it, you know, and see how that shakes out. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right, because, like, when all these TV shows came back um, this year, you know, there were a lot of them were delayed and everything and uh, to, for filming and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, the, there was two schools of thought. Um, there was the there was the the whole idea, like, like I like the uh, the sitcom Superstore, which is about people like working like in a Walmart. They they leaned into the pandemic and really did a lot of stories about what life was like during that time. And I think watching it, it was funny. I watched the season premiere like in October, and it takes place you know around April or whatever of of 2020. And it was like 
I could watch that probably every year and be like, that would be the best reminder of what it was really like when this all really happened. Like, they really nailed, like, all of the feelings and the paranoia and, and, the, and the panic and everything of that moment. But then there are other shows that they just continue on like nothing ever happened. So it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting choice as a storyteller, I think. Um, and, and, yeah, it, uh, it, it absolutely to watch play is. Out. And, I mean, I, I don't want to be, be reminded. I, I want to think about things how they were and how hopefully right. they will be. I don't want to, you know, concentrate too much on the whole pandemic and and man, I wear a mask every time I go out in public. I have ever since, you know, you know, people yeah. said we should wear masks. And um I've avoided the flu by the way. <laughs> Wearing a mask all the time. Yeah, a lot of people have. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, which is which has been awesome, but man, I don't want to think about it. You know, I, I I don't want to think about it at all. So I'm probably not ever gonna you know write about it. Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it was a, it was. We're gonna hear about it for the rest of our lives anyway. So it's not like, uh, you know, it's. Um, I think I likened it on the year in review episode back in December to like this was like a long, uh, prolonged nine eleven situation where it was like life has changed. It's fundamentally changed. It's probably changed forever. Uh, rather than it all happening in a single day, it was a fucking year. And, uh, you know, and, and from it sprung all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories and and all kinds of other stuff and changes in society. So, you know, we're, we're, we'll never really sort of out outlive it in a way. But I think that, yeah, I think as a storyteller in a way – I think the general my rule of thumb, well, not not that I'm a not that I'm a storyteller, but as a consumer of, of stories, it's like to me, it's like unless the pandemic is integral to your story, you really don't need to um, to to l- loop it into your tale, if you will. So, right. No, I agree with that. Kind of how I feel. And the pandemic would be the story. Exactly. You, know, you can base a whole story on the pandemic. But since we have one, since we're still in one, you know, right. it's kind of irrelevant. I mean, it's what are you writing a true story about what's happening right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd rather write about you know Elizabeth Hurley in a bikini. <laughs> I'd like to read something you've written about Elizabeth Hurley in a bikini. So, uh, have you seen? There's a show. Let me see. Uh, Coach, what's that? Coach Ted Lasso. Have you seen Ted Lasso? You know, I have not. It looks funny. Oh, you'd love it, and I have not watched it. Yeah, you'd love it. Well, that's the the actor. I really like the actor. I think it would be the premise is hilarious. Um, Yeah, it's on my to watch list. Um, Yeah, you'd love it. But the the I I read an interview with the people who make the show, and they said. uh, you know, it, the gist of it is this isn't a spoiler. This is a premise, folks. Um, he's like a college football, American college football coach who gets brought to England to coach uh, an English football team, soccer, um, and hilarity ensues. That's the sort of idea. Um, but it's very heartfelt and very uh, well thought out, and it's not cheesy or uh, or hokey or anything like that. It's actually really well done. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I was reading really new with them, and they were like, well, the second season, we're not, it's just, they're just going to continue on like none of this ever happened, because like, they, you know, they were like, people don't want to watch a show where this is all going to be, dom- the whole story is going to be dominated by the pan. You can't do a story about like a pro f- sports team, like, without acknowledging this, or, or you, you either have to ignore it, or it has to be the whole fucking story, like you were saying. So they're, yeah, they're going to yeah. go uh, with the ignore part, um, which I'm, I'd be fine with. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've same spent here. my pain. I, I've spent the last few months um, with with uh, with my TV viewing has been uh, more movies. I've been trying to catch up on movies I should have seen. I finally watched uh, a couple of Tarantino westerns, uh, Django Unchained oh, and The Hateful Eight. And uh, I've been trying to introduce my 16-year-old son to classic movies Every everybody should see. Uh, tonight, right before we got off, we got we got finished with this right before I came on with you, and it was Caddyshack. Oh, nice. Classic, classic. I got two. Yeah. I got two more pop culture questions, and I'll let you get going, because I know uh, we've gone yeah. a while here tonight. So, first, did you watch Tiger King? That's like the big, that's oh, like the yeah. fucking signature show of the pandemic, it seems. Yeah, it is, and and I didn't really want to, but uh, my wife and daughter started watching it, and uh, so I sat down and watched it with her and with them, and I'm glad I did. It every single damn episode, I thought this is the worst of America. Yeah, and then the next episode, it was worse, and then it was worse. Yeah. I can see how it captured the imagination of of a of a, of a sheltered American public. Uh, it was quite the it was quite the program. Yeah, I liked right. it a lot for what it is. You know what I mean? It was uh, <laughs> it was a horrifying glimpse of of uh, of our country and everything and people involved in shit. And uh, to me, well, the best part looking time in Oakland. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, oh, I was gonna say the best part looking spin- back on it was the episode. I think it was the end of episode two where the guy's like talking about Carol Baskin and he's like, yeah, and she murdered her fucking husband. And the guy behind the camera's like, wait, what? And then and then yeah. it's just like, boom, then the credits come up. And then you're like, the next episode, you're like, I got to watch this fucking next episode. Wait a minute, she murdered her husband? And it was like, that was yeah. like masterful, masterful fucking TV. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was terrific. Uh, I've spent time in Oklahoma, so um, watching this, you know, I, I I can see everything happening. It, it, it was it unfolded like a thing. It it opened like a flower. Yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a that's a fantastic way of putting it. Now now you've got me to ask you another question. I didn't mean to ask, but what, have you heard about the Oklahoma Bigfoot bounty? And do you think that uh, that's just a recipe for disaster? Uh, I think it was a gimmick. Which is fine. Yeah. Gimmicks are terrific. Let's let's you know get more people. Oklahoma tourism. But getting people uh, into Oklahoma with guns, ready to shoot something that looks like a man. Yeah, it's a rep- yeah, it's it's a recipe for disaster. And yeah. uh, you know, I've I've been pretty open with this. Uh, I I know I've probably said it on your show. Uh, I've said it on uh, other ones. I've written about this. I'm okay with somebody shooting a Bigfoot. I am too. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm just pro kill. All right. I I honestly think. I mean, after 
I mean, all of the reading I've done, all of the uh, uh, interviews, the, 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 you know, listening to people like, you know, Dr. Jeff Meldrum and, and, and other people of his ilk, I really seriously think Bigfoot is probably a offshoot of humanity. But, God damn it, I want to see this thing proven one way or the other. I think they're Absolutely. out there. I honestly do. Yep. If there is a cryptid that actually exists, there is so much evidence that Bigfoot exists. I'm okay with somebody shooting one. After that, Absolutely. no. Yep, yep. I'm in the same controversial school of thought, but absolutely, yep, yep. We have to kill one to save the rest. That's the point. We have to make sure that we That's... know for sure they're real, and once we know they're real, then we can set about uh, protecting them and everything. So, yep, 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 exactly. We need to know. My my last question for you as a pop culture junkie like me um, is th- this is <laughs> this is all an old man question. How are you? How are you finding this new world of streaming? Uh, uh, this this overabundance. That's kind of my take on it. Which this is too much. This is too many. Like the whole thing was like you can save money on cable if you get this streaming service. But now it's like, look, now I have so many fucking streaming services that I'm like probably paying as much as cable, and I still haven't got rid of cable, so I'm actually paying almost double for the entertainment options. So I need to, like, do a complete overhaul of how I'm consuming this shit because I have Hulu, Amazon, oh. Netflix, fucking, uh, it's just, it, you know, Discovery Plus. Why? I have no idea. But it's like, ah, oh, it's only five bucks. That shit adds up, man. So, but, I mean, what's your take on all that? Oh, I, when this started, you know, when, when, when uh, you know, Netflix, we got Hulu, I'm like, okay, this stuff is really freaking cool. I love this stuff. We're going to pick one, Netflix or Hulu. And it depended on what show was was going to be on. We kind of gauged uh, whether we'd have Hulu or Netflix on uh, when Stranger Things was going to be released. Right, and we exactly. switched okay, back yeah. and forth. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, all these other services started oh. releasing CBS, Paramount, HBO, Disney. Oh. Forgot about HBO, yeah. I'm like, we we don't have cable because we're cheap, and then it's going to be more than cable. And uh, then Disney offered Disney and Hulu and ESPN+. I'm like, okay, let's do that. So we did that. That's a good deal, yeah. Yeah. Everybody was happy. But then another, uh, another show came on Netflix we had to watch. So we got Netflix, which we still have. And then a couple of movies came on, uh, Kong for, Godzilla vs. Kong being one, came on HBO. So, my so you got to get that like, one. Yeah, got to get that one. I'm going to cancel it tomorrow after a month. But, man, I there's stuff on CBS Plus I want to watch, stuff on Paramount yep. I want to watch. I'm not, it's, yeah. It's, that's, you, you're... Exactly hitting the point that I've complained about, uh, either on the show or in, in real life or both. It's the every service has fucking like one or two good things, and more often than not, the rest is all filler shit. Um, you know, right. it's it's so it's like if there, there needs to be an a la carte, a la carte, where it's like, okay, look it, I have no interest in getting fucking Disney Plus. Can I just give you twenty dollars to watch Mandalorian? 
Like, and just leave me alone. And, and then don't loop me in for, like, another six months of this, this service that I have no interest in watching anymore, Disney+. Plus. But I want to see this Mandalorian. But, I mean, maybe that's possible. I should go on Amazon and see if I can just buy Mandalorian Season 1. But it's like, yeah, there's so many services. It's too much to keep track of. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's overkill. It's worse than cable. Time. Yeah, it's worse than cable. Well, I don't, when did you get rid of cable? Oh, I got rid of cable like probably 15 years ago. Uh, okay. Because to me, now look, at this is an old man thing again. And uh, I don't want to take out any, too much more of your time, but now we're, we're really, now we're really too guys. No, you're the talking bar. to an old man. You know what? My favorite, <laughs> my, my favorite mean meme in the world is Abraham Simpson. You know, old man yells at cloud. Yeah, that's me right there. Because to me, I, I have cable still, and I love cable. Right? And what I, this is the fucked up part, right? Okay? Which I think you can appreciate. I pay like $10 a month for Hulu and fucking Netflix and uh, Amazon and Peacock. I'm paying fucking $5 a month for Peacock. Um, and, and, and that's all well and good. But like more often than not, I just want to fucking do what I've always done my entire life, which is sit on the fucking couch, hit the guide button. And just scroll through shit. And, like, look, at if I see Wedding Crashers or Role Models or, or any of, like, the... I love of mid- Role Models. <laughs> oh, great movie, right? If I it's see a that... movie. This is how fucked up it is. If I see that airing on TNT at, like, 10 o'clock at night, I will watch that on TNT with the commercials edited. I don't give a fuck. I'll just watch it when I can <laughs> probably pull up pull up one of these umpteen streaming services and watch it completely unedited without uh, without any of the without any of the uh, commercials and everything. But to me, I don't know, there's like, a, like a, a weird comfort level in experiencing shit the way that I used to. And, and it's like, I always go crazy. It's funny, young people, they love YouTube and everything, and I get that, but it's like, People don't remember, in a sense, where it's like there was a time when everybody knew all. Everybody all knew the commercials. Like I, I, I find there are people that don't. That like the the commercial would be the fucking meme. It was like, uh, like the Budweiser commercial with the frog or whatever. And it's like now nobody fucking. Right. There's no there's no shared memory of of the commercials that are on all the time. That's another thing that irritates me. The la- yeah, because the last one that I remember that I could talk to people about were the Sonic commercials with uh, Pete and TJ, those two idiots in the car. Oh, they're the still blonde on guy now and the yeah. dark-haired guy. They're, yeah, still yeah they're funny. Yeah. But, yeah, to me it's like I still I still really enjoy just flipping through the channels and finding shit and, and – and, uh, I've been joking about it on Twitter lately, because <laughs> like in the last three weeks, uh, I discovered that the TV channel IFC just runs like seven straight fucking hours of Two and a Half Men, and it's like, <laughs> it's like if you ever, if you ever want to just lie on the couch and surf the internet on your iPad and have shit in the background, two, you can't go fucking wrong with Two and a Half Men. Like that to me is is like such comfort, comfort food. Uh, somebody was like on Twitter was like, "Oh man, you gotta watch 
all these really sophisticated comedies, which I agree are fucking fantastic and shit. But it's like, look at dude. Sometimes you just want to eat trash. Sometimes, sometimes you just want to enjoy a good double entendre over, over joke over and over and over again. And that's that's what Two and a Half Men provides for me, at least. So, yeah, right. I mean, there's, it, there's uh, definitely, definitely, uh, yeah, TV comfort food. I've fallen in love with uh, a TV service called Pluto. Yeah, completely yeah, you free. mentioned that once, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's completely free, and they have channels dedicated. I, I haven't watched the dedicated Baywatch channel because I never really got into that. But there's yeah, a yeah. dedicated Mystery Science Theater 3000 channel, a dedicated Star Trek The Next Generation channel. Uh, for the kids, for my six-year-old, there's a dedicated Door of the Explorer channel. And it's all free, so I'm, I kind of dig that because I'm cheap, like I said. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what's going to happen with this thing. I would assume eventually they'll reach critical mass and some of these these systems will fold into each other. That's what happened with the uh, the wrestling network. They they sold out and got absorbed by Peacock, so who knows? Uh, well, well here's what's probably going to happen. Yeah, it's going to reach critical mass. And we're all going to end up watching PBS and be better for it. Exactly. Well, that 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 uh, that's uh, let's hope we'll keep our fingers crossed. That's <laughs> a good place to uh, to end the conversation. <laughs> end the conversation, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, as I said, this was this is a paranormal slash paranormal adjacent show. I hope people enjoyed it. This is what it really is. Um, you know, what I actually enjoyed here was, like, Jason and I, we talk on Twitter, uh, but I don't, you know, what people may not know is, like, we don't talk on the phone ever. So, so this was, like, this was actually, like, the first time Jason and I have talked on the phone probably, like, in three years or something like that. So, um, yeah. so this, this is essentially, like... It's just us getting, you know, uh, reacquainted. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what I always uh, strive for on the show here is these conversational... Uh, episodes and and I remember all the years we've been talking now for years and years and years on the show um, that it was always like this. It was always this conversational banter, and that's that's what I wanted to to do here tonight. So I had an absolute blast, and uh, and um, you know you'll be back on the show, I'm sure, uh, sooner than later. And uh, congrats on the new book, uh, the book that's out now that people. Want to get is uh, so you had to build a time machine. You got tripped up on that too, where you 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 said it too. How to build a time? Machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's kind of a yeah. long title. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes a minute. Well, you do I a double really take ap- it first. I like it. Yeah, I like I really it. But yeah, you do a double take where you're like, wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> let me ask you. I'm sorry. I have one more question now. I, this didn't dawn oh. on me till just now talking about the title. But did you pick the title? Because all the time you hear these stories about these. People who write books, generally they're nonfiction, I think, where like, well, I didn't, you know, they get into a kind of a tit for tat about the title. Like, how much, how much conversation goes into the title part between you and the editor, or is it just like you come to them and you're like, this is the name of the book? Oh, it it really depends. If if I have, if I have a good title name, uh, it works. Uh, my book on shadow shadow people, darkness walks. The publisher loved it. Uh, my very first uh, paranormal book was 
uh, haunted Missouri, and that kind of goes whatever. Right. What, what else are you going to call it? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but but other other names like uh, what lurks beyond uh, the first, which which what lurks beyond, and the subtitle was the paranormal in your backyard. That book basically was me looking with a within a hundred mile radius of my house to find all the paranormal things I could find. Uh, yeah. The title originally, uh, I was going to focus on a Bigfoot encounter, and the title was going to be Big Monkey in My Backyard, which I thought was an awesome title. Yeah. But the publisher didn't think it encompassed the book. Uh, the you know, So you had to build a time machine. My, my initial, um, my initial uh, title was Shift. They didn't think that oh. was enough. So, so sometimes... Sometimes I can come up with a title that's good. Other times they suggest other things, and we, we compromise. All right. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I've always wondered about that sort of thing. Um, well, uh, I know you're about to say something very nice about me, and I'm looking forward to hearing what it is. So. <laughs> I just want to say, okay. I just want to say, man, I had an absolute blast. I, you know, I consider you one of uh, one of the BOA's closest friends, and that's why when we were sort of putting together this old home week, of shows, uh, Jason Offit was at the top of the list. So thank you so much, my friend. And I, I'm, I'm absolutely positive this is not the last time we're going to talk. So uh, uh, well, you know. yeah, same here. I know we're going to talk again, whether it's uh, whether it's on the show or whether it's just us uh, us bullshitting. Uh, yeah, what I was going to say is, uh, folks, you're. I mean, this is a treat for you all. Tim Tim's one of the best in the business. I love being on this, being on Tim's show. He's he's professional as hell and. Uh, um, yeah, enjoy enjoy listening to Tim. Thanks, man. Thanks. I will say too that you, in the in the sort of pantheon of like uh, frequent guests, inner circle folks, folks who I've really come to know over the last like fifteen years uh, doing the show, I think you're like of a, of a very small pool of people that I have yet to meet in real life. I cannot believe we have not hung out yet because. Uh, like every, almost everybody else, uh, Lauren Coleman, Adam Go Rightly, Greg Bishop, a whole bunch of people who've been on the show. We, you know, I've hung out with them at some point, sometimes multiple times. But uh, the fact that you and I have never crossed paths is, is criminal, practically. So um, now that the pandemic is winding down, hopefully uh, we can find some way to hang out in the future. Well, I and I really hope so, Tim. Uh, one of one of one of the main issues. Uh, you know, like with everybody you mentioned, and and comparing to me is, uh, I'm I'm married with kids. I mean, I got a bunch of kids, and, and you That's know, true. I need to stay That's around true. home. So I don't I don't. I'll come to you then. One one day I'll just turn up in Missouri and be like, I need to I need a place to stay. Don't ask questions, Jason. So, man, I I, I won't. I'll have a place you can stay. You got to smoke on the back porch, but uh, <laughs> definitely you can stay at the house. That works for me. All right, brother. Well, congrats on the new book that's coming out this fall, and uh, we'll keep the Been All of America listeners posted. And thanks again for a fantastic evening. I really appreciate it. All right, my friend. Thank you very much. Good night, brother. Good night. There you go, folks. That was Jason Offit talking about So You Had to Build a Time Machine, uh, talking about time travel, black-eyed kids, uh, shadow people, a lot of the paranormal stuff, um, and a bunch of pop culture there at the end, which I really enjoyed. I know some folks might be like, oh, but no, what the hell? But, uh, you know, this is, as I said to Jason, he was like, well, what are we going to talk about tonight? And I'm like, 
pretty much just listed the things I just told all you, and then I said, and then wherever the hell we go after that. So uh, that's pretty much where we went. Uh, next week's program, you already heard me plug it, but I'll do it again. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Jack Brewer about the world of UFOs. Uh, probably an episode that will ruffle some feathers in UFO world, but I don't think a lot of the people in UFO world listen to Banal of America anymore, which is fine with me. Um, we're going to talk about what's been going on over the last uh, few weeks and trace it back to uh, really the last three years and this renaissance of, of UFOdom that we've seen uh, with the TTSA and all that stuff and all this government machinations and, and uh, UFOs being a real hot topic uh, with the mainstream media. So we'll talk about that. Jack's done a lot of research into NICAP. So we'll talk about uh, past UFO stuff. So for the people who enjoyed last week's episode with Adam Go Rightly, it's going to be a lot of that kind of uh, conversation, sort of where we maybe draw a distinction or a comparison between that bygone era and what we're seeing today, because it may seem like what we're all living through right now with the UFO thing is some groundbreaking, uh, you know, just some some really wild, this is unheard of times, unprecedented experience. But really, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of parallel moments in UFO history that can be connected to uh, what's going on right now. It's like people are excited right now, but they had, they had congressional hearings about UFOs like in the 1960s or 70s or something like that. Stan Friedman was a part of them. So uh, we haven't even reached that point yet. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. It's going to be a good conversation. Love Jack Brewer. We're good friends. So, uh, you know, we're going to really dig into uh, UFOs next week, and who knows what else will come up. Um, you know, I've kind of enjoyed – Really enjoyed kind of getting Jason's thoughts on the pandemic. So maybe that'll be something we kind of like touch on in each episode as we catch up with people, like what the hell they did in the last year um, while everybody was hunkered down. I'd be interested to know. I know Jack grew a Corona beard, God bless him, um, which I believe he still has the Corona beard. And, I'm, and now I'm needling him because he's had the vaccine. So it's like you don't need the. When is when is the when when do you kill the corona beard? That's a question we may have to explore on the next edition of Banal America with Jack Brewer. At what point do you pull the plug on the corona beard? Especially if you're if you're inoculated. I hope he's listening right now because I want him to have a have an answer for that. And uh making myself laugh. On that note, I want to thank you all for listening. I want I, I should take a moment here and I guess apologize. I'm really um, I'm. I feel like I can. You know, it's like getting on a bicycle doing the show. I can. I can do this and talk and, and interview people and have conversation with old friends every every night of the week. I can do this. Um, but I'm very rusty when it comes to the publishing of the programs. So uh, you know, we taped the we did the Adam Go Riley episode last Friday. I still haven't put it on the podcast feed yet. Um, I just need like one weekend where I can catch my breath and, and sort of get all this straightened out. Maybe it'll be tomorrow, you know. Maybe maybe you're listening to this on uh, Sunday, the 18th, and you're saying, "Oh, I guess Benal did it. He he uh, he got his shit together." But uh, you know, I gotta get I gotta get the podcast feed caught up with the real time uh, episodes. So the people who are listening to this now who may have had to wait. Uh, well, by now they've waited a week for the Adam Go Rightly show. Uh, I apologize, and 
you know, I'll get my I'll get my shit together. Don't worry about that. Um, and we'll get these we'll get these episodes flipped to you uh, faster than they have been uh, to start out this spring session. So now that I've done my mea culpa, we'll uh, call a night at that. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks to Chris and uh, Flycatch and Eaten by Bears, who are all in the chat room tonight. And thanks to all the folks who listened live, who didn't join in on the chat, and all the folks who are listening uh, later on down the line here uh, via the Been All America podcast. Until next time, this is Tim and All. Thanking you for listening. 